What's going on, everybody? It is Coach Greg Adams back in here with another uh, wake-up show, part of the Free Agent Lifestyle podcast here on the Free Agent Lifestyle channel. I know you guys get a kick out of that intro uh, with the perfect behind. All right, look, she's a flat back to Katie and all that. There's nothing wrong with that, but don't try to convince me otherwise that that is the most perfect behind. I had to stare at that Martin Lutherly. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Anyway, man, shout out to the coach gang. I got a hair out of here that's out of order. Let's go ahead and pull that out. Anyway, let them go and chill today. Today, we got the Blue Chip Mindset Series. It is back for its weekly series. And um, I'll be doing more of these uh, series, uh, more short videos on the CGA Blue Chip Mindset channel, all right, that I'm rebranding on. So great show today. We're going to talk about why real rich people don't always look rich. And why a lot of times some of your brokest people try to appear like they are rich. And we're going to break some of these things down. We're not just going to persecute people. We're not just going to talk bad about people. We're going to try to educate you as much as we can because the blue chip mindset is about building, quote unquote, generational wealth or building your legacy in a reality, in a realistic way. Right. And so you got to get over that hump into getting a, getting from a poor victim mindset and uh, into a blue chip mindset. So we're not really attaining riches, right? Riches are a part of the process. We are not really trying to attain things, although things come with being uh, having access to funds. So this show isn't trying to tell you not to buy things, all right? I'm, I'm not trying to tell you that. What I am trying to tell you is there's a time and a place for these certain things, and there's a way to buy these things with something in mind called appreciation appreciating assets sometimes we buy depreciating assets which had have no value um outside of the perceived value that it believes that it gives you by putting on certain items or buying certain things or driving certain cars so we're going to get into that this is going to be a real real good show here um uh the united states is claiming that russia hold on for a second the united states is claiming that russia is has invaded in uh ukraine but um, it is not 100% accurate as to if Russia has claimed themselves to have invaded. But um, people have wondered why uh, this is uh, this particular administration is pushing for this type of war. And people have been talking about it in the comment section. And, uh, of course, hey, I told you to do Biden. And we know the midterm elections are coming up and we're seeing a lot of things that I predicted that people would was they were living and dying on. Some of these things are disappearing. Some of these topics are dis disappearing because the midterm elections are coming up and Biden's approval rating is in the gutter. All right. And so they're going to need desperate things in order to uh, get a little bit of momentum going into November 2022 um, uh, midterm elections in which, you know, the Democrats seemingly probably will lose the House and or the House and Senate. And uh, that's going to prevent Biden from doing a, a bunch of things. So uh, they're in desperation mode and they need a boogeyman, okay? The boogeyman could no longer be us, right? We were our own boogeyman and we talked about that subversion from within, but now we can no longer be our own boogeyman. We have to come somehow, somehow appear to be on one accord against a real boogeyman, which Putin is gonna serve as that. And this is what the Democrats hope. And so they're building that up. They, they want this. In, in order to seem like, you know, we're now all of a sudden we're approaching everything in a patriotic, unified way. Um, it's not going to work. I want you guys to have a very long memory, okay? Very long memory. And, uh, of course, the ham and eggers, the average everyday mouth breather and knuckle dragger, they have short memories. They're going to forget, and they're hoping you forget. They're hoping you forget what happened all in 20 – they 
you guys even forgot the riots. I mean, remember when people were jumping up and down everyone's windshield? You know what I mean? Where, where are those highlights at? Mm. I, I mean, remember, they act like riots didn't even go on all 2020. All right. But people were out here rioting everywhere. And uh, you can't see hide nor hair of any footage of that. Nobody talks about it. And they act like it don't happen. And people pretty much seemingly forgot it. Right. So um, same thing. They're hoping for you to forget all of that push for all of this mandates and pokes and shutdowns and loss of businesses and all of that. They want you to go forget about that come November 2022. And they want you to think about one thing. Us going to be at war. All right. I got a long memory. I don't forget stuff like that. When you do me wrong, you sidestep me. I definitely can come back and clap back at you. Yeah, the summer of love, the peaceful protest. Yeah, man. Shout out to you guys, man. Look, no, without further ado, we're gonna get into this show. Um, um, and then and then this could be a lengthy show, could be a short show. I'm not sure. There's a lot to cover here. But the reason why we do the blue chip mindset is is to get people uh back thinking about things in a proper perspective, putting things in a proper perspective to build up whatever wealth that you need in order to get to your next generation of people and get your super rich kids with nothing to loose ends, super rich kids with nothing but fake friends. All right. I don't care, man. Uh, there's a way to pass that wealth on through trust accounts to make sure your super rich kids don't be out here buying drugs when they in high school. They'll do that too. Okay. But uh, what, what would you rather be? What would you rather have? So synopsis Jones, he says, I'm just hoarding all my assets, stocks, cash, crypto, savings etc enjoying the decline i think this year for me this year is going to be a hold year this is going to be a hold you gotta know when to hold them know when to fold them uh know when to walk away yeah know when to run you never count your money when you're sitting at the table there'll be time enough for counting uh when the deal is done, the gambler out there, shout out to Kenny Rogers or is it Kenny Loggins? Mm. <laughs> uh, this might be a whole year for me, um, in terms of buying things right here because this year is going to be interesting. I mean, we got elections coming up, you got potential interest rates hiking up for every quarter for two. Yeah, I mean, there's too much going on, man. All right. Uh, Amari says, ready for your breakdown, coach, because usually most of society always misuses this saying and try and put the look, don't look rich stigma on everybody and shame people who look rich while actually being rich. Yeah, we're going to talk about that because people think that I'm going to say, don't buy anything nice. All right. Or don't buy anything that's labeled. So don't buy anything but a high price tag. Um, you might find that my message is quite the opposite. I, I tend to wear a be a muted person in terms of what I wear, but I might buy some other things. You know, let's, we'll talk about that. Uh, shout out to, uh, well, who is this here? XL Pro Services on the Cash App. He says, for the constant, uh, consistent grind, wins championships. Shout out to the coach gang. That's what we do. All right, consistency wins championships. Uh, Rolo's Pantene Hair Weave. Thank you for that super chat. Speaking my mind says, my Section 8 don't work the same. No, it don't. All right, shout out to who else? OMG Entertainer. Shout out to Coach and the Blue Chip Mindsetters. It is important to keep your wealth private from the public to avoid the poor people, uh, poor-minded people targeting you easier. We're going to talk slightly about that. He says, best to put investments into a business entity than have your assets registered on you. All right, on to, uh, on to you. Yes, we're going to talk about that 
to um, and particularly related to jewelry where your net worth is displayed on your body. All right, definitely what's going on here. Uh, uh, Eddie says yesterday's stream was fire and funny. All right, I, I got to watch the playback on that one if I have time. ACDC, yep, they gave up on Joe Rogan Boogeyman too. Yeah, they they tried to and tried to cancel and I'm going to remove my music from Spotify. Uh, artists came out and then they eventually put their music back. Uh, they tried to make Joe Rogan a boogeyman and a distraction. It's not going to work. It didn't work. I mean, I'm mixed. I have a mixed feelings about that because I think uh, the, the black people are always the most forgiving when they are violated and such that, um, you know, most people wouldn't get most other cultures wouldn't let anybody get away with anything like this. Although, you know, taken out of context, people did take his information out of context. But if you look at the small hats, as they call them here on YouTube, they didn't let Whoopi Goldberg get away with nothing. And she barely said anything. You know what I mean? In the in the grand scheme of things, she didn't really say much. You know what I mean? And they took her off the network. They was like, mm. uh, but but blacks, blacks tend to be most forgiving in this in this one. And uh, they don't know where to put their real allegiance. You know what I mean? They will let somebody get away with something like that. And other cultures would not. So I have mixed feelings about it. I know Joe Rogan. I don't know him personally, but I know what his intent was. I know what he tried to do. I know they tried to make him out to be the boogeyman and the bad guy. So I, I, I don't like that. But I also will say, um, you know, sometimes we give people a pass, way too much of a pass. And then the message is clear. Hey, well, you gave him a pass. Why do I get a pass? It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. So you guys got to have a real conscious discussion on that and really draw lines. Um, who is this here? Link says Miss Daron is acting up again. What is she talking about now? <laughs> right? She's talking about she in uh, single again. Miss Daron recalls Tom Hardy's bad behavior on the Mad Max set in the new book. She didn't feel safe. Uh, one thing you guys will know about women, they, they're one asset. They will definitely use that and leverage that for, for decades. All right. You were married to me and once slept with me. You owe me money for my rest of my life. Or you once made a pass at me you once gave me you once harassed me 20 years ago like i once gave you some peace leave i once thought about giving you some peace leave 20 30 years ago i mean it, it's it it's silly it's silly but we're not talking about that today uh let's see here isaac tay says fellas i don't he says fellas i recommend you watch people like uh george gammon rick rule not rick rule peter schiff an economist who knows what the hell is going on in the economy thank you sir all right. Uh, thank you, sir, for that. The, oh, Theo, WAF, you are correct. I earn over 700K yearly now, and I uh, normally ride my mountain bike, walk outside alone, and cook my own food. Nothing flashy except my cash flow. So that way, guys, he has a long-range goal that he's trying to achieve. And uh, he's not trying to achieve some short-range uh, 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 desire. He doesn't have a desire to, to impress people um, with his his newfound wealth. You know, I mean, I don't think he came from money. I think he created this legacy. So he would be what people would consider new money. I would be considered new money or what, people of my ilk. I didn't come from money. Uh, we had to work hard to get our position. But what happens is sometimes we want to impress people. But as you know, when you impress people, most of the time you just either make them haters or they act like they don't care, you know, or they'll they'll believe you already had it or you had an easy route. Never, rarely does somebody see you doing well and go, we're proud of you. Now, people do that here in our space because they saw where I came from. But people that don't know where I came from, 
they actually will see you and come up with a reason why they should either take what you're showing them or why you shouldn't have it or why there was an easy route for you to have it. All right. Uh, it's crazy, right? It's crazy. I'm going to do one more and then get on with the show. Two more. Two more. Oh, Conversation Corner says they want they want you scared, coach, but I'm just going to get to this money and look at them. Martin Luther Lee, give me the buzzer and Uncle Earl. They do want you scared out here. They want you scared of everybody. I think, you know, I'm going to get into the... I'm going to get into it. We'll give you a little snippet. Here comes the bankroll. Here it comes. This is what make it all happen right there. That's, that's what make it happen? This is what make it happen. If a man want to know how to meet a nice woman, how you meet her? With this. <laughs> First damn word come out your mouth. I got money. <laughs> Uh, you don't even have to make it that obvious, but I hear what he's saying. Andrew Kitchen, shout out to you with the super duper support chat in the building. I got money. All right, shout out to you. Look, man, hey, I want to follow up on something that I was showing you uh, the other day. Uh, this is an edutainment program. We here, we're here to educate you uh, right here. It says New DA Gascoin. Uh, Mr. Gascoin is a descendant of another former, I believe he was a police chief or something up there. He declines to prosecute on ranges of low-level crimes. And one of those low-level crimes, ladies and gentlemen, drivers without a license or suspended license, making uh, criminal threats, trespassing, disturbing the peace, drug possession, drinking in public, loitering to commit prostitution and resisting arrest. And so this is part of the lawless society that we're living in, in which they, I, I'll tell you to have a long memory. A lot of these people are Democrats and um, a lot of them do want you to, um, do want you to be in a lawless society so it, that, that it breaks down. They were trying to get that intentionally to break down. And this is where we are. Same thing as um, New York and Manhattan. Manhattan District Attorney announces Wednesday that the office will no longer prosecute prostitution and unlicensed massage under a new policy they believe will be the first of its kind in New York. And so they're doing this. They're decriminalizing and destigmatizing this type of work and such. This is going to push forward in our society. And I want to play this short video real quick of what's going on. And this is going to be the new way uh, women are, will continue to monetize themselves. Right. And so what you think is not normal, and I don't encourage anyone to go down and visit any of these young ladies. These young ladies are desperate. They're damaged. All right. These aren't the type of people that I would say. I got money. I stay clear away from these people, but these people are providing a service. Some people uh, can only afford this type of service and such. And so let's play. I won't play with the volume. Fair use here. Uh, this is on a brightly lit, sunshiny day in Seattle. And as you can see, we'll pause here. Straggle daggles here. These are some of the girls that you guys will see on a regular basis. And they're in broad daylight, guys. This is in Seattle, in the middle of the street, right here, walking down, um, barely clothed. This is unbelievable. Now, I don't see this in my neighborhood, right? But this is this is the type of stuff that we've been warning you about that I said is going to happen. I said the price of peace leave is going to plummet. All right. And people always think of their suburban neighborhood, but look at this neighborhood. I mean, you can tell it's a rougher, sketchier type of neighborhood, but it's not like it's not a bomb shelter. There's people here. There's plenty of traffic. All right. There's street lights and there seems to be businesses. There's straggle daggles over here. There's straggle daggles walking down the street here. This is the society that we're heading into right here. 
So this is the world that we're going. This is the results, the results of female empowerment and feminism. All right. This is what's going to free you to be the free agent that you need to be. All right. And so, look, these people are waiting at the bus stop. They're picking up Jack in the box. Um, this is a regular street. And so uh, pushing forward here, uh, you'll see more straggle daggles right here. One, two, three of them. A couple of them thicker than a snicker. All right. But um, as you can see right there, girls in their pajamas just waiting out um, and doing whatnot. So when you're putting your vested interest, these are girls you probably might see at the mall. All right. You never know how where you see these people. You think these people aren't girls that you'll see in regular society. These girls are drugged out and whatnot. I'll also tell you never underestimate the amount of weird interactions you've had with women who have been on drugs. Here's a couple more straggle daggles sitting right there. All right. Not very attractive. All right. And uh, you got a couple more right here. This is the one of the perpetrating pimp right here with his girls. And she thicker than the snicker, too. All right. And so this is what you have. This is the new America right here. And you got two girls coming down the street. So I just want to tell you guys, this is what's going to be the new normal, the new normal, the new normal in here. All right. Let's get into the real part of this message. Looking rich. I'm going to talk to you because there was a guy and uh, he was a troll potentially a troll uh one thing that men will say coming into this broadcast and say why would i listen to you talk about money well first of all um i'm not a millionaire second of all if you wanted to hear a millionaire talking about money you're probably going to have to pay 250 uh sorry 2500 and uh pay for a convention seat to listen to them talk all right or he's not going to talk at length but you are talking to somebody that has definitely earned a million dollars in the last 10 years and pushing his way towards in, uh, the investment stage and getting there. So my mindset is on 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 that. That's my mindset in the next couple of years. I'm in the building stages of 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 building that. Right. So um, I'm fortunate enough to be there and uh, all that stuff. So I've learned and I've also trained a lot of people who have been millionaires for sure. And they I basically was an apprentice in and, and learning and getting bits of information on how they stayed wealthy. One thing that I remember about them is many of the people that I know were wealthy, they really didn't look wealthy, okay? As much as I can remember. Now, they did have maybe a big house or a house in a nice neighborhood, right? So that was would be the first sign. They lived in a gated community. So that's going to automatically tell you that they're, they have a different wealth class than you. So they have money potentially. We don't know if they rent. But we can also say that even if they are renting, they're probably renting at somewhere near six figures per month. So that's you not you need to have access to money, most likely to have that. Other things that you might see that they may have that might hint at wealth. Their kids might go to private school. All right. So you're thinking, OK, they live in a gated community. Their kids go to private school. There has to be access to funds that you don't have. All right. And then also they might say they have vacation homes here. I have a vacation home in Tahoe. Now you might say, okay, you need probably a little bit of money. I'm thinking their money is a, a little bit better than mine if they're able to have a vacation home in Tahoe, okay? So these are the things that I talk about. They talk about when their kids get married, they're going to require them, the, the kids' uh, spouse to sign a prenup. Okay, what are you protecting? You're possibly protecting wealth or trust money that is going to be passed on to them. So there's a lot of things that are going to give you hints and they start hinting at their investments, whether they invest in them, what is the market doing and all that stuff. So anyway, check this out. I'm going to pull this up. 
And there was a troll who basically tried to come in and ridicule me for being broke and living in a studio apartment. <laughs> he assumed this is a studio and apartment, right? Um, for being broke and and having a basic 911 Porsche. I don't know if you remember that. That was probably the last blue chip mindset stream. All right. And so what what he basically was saying is you don't look rich. All right. You don't have the trappings of what we would assume would make you wealthy. You probably are broke. So he's basically saying you don't have a big house. You don't have fancy jewelry. And even the car that you have is basic and broke down. Right. It's basically a basic used car. Now, I'm going to debunk all of that because this is what is important for you to know. The things that you believe make you rich do not make you rich. So here's the thing. We talked about a Rolex. We talked about a Rolex. And people think if you customize a Rolex, meaning you buy what you would call a Rolex, you buy a um, you buy a, a Submariner, uh, you buy a, you know, any any version of the Rolexes that I can't remember off the top of my head, but a Yacht Master. You know, you buy any of these, one of these, um, what will happen is any dive watch. What would happen is people will say, in order to make it look flashy, I'm going to add diamonds to them. I'm going to add diamonds on the bezel. I'm going to add diamonds all on the uh, the face here. I'm going to add diamonds on the rich band and, uh, wristband and all that stuff. And then you're going to think, because they had diamonds to them, that they're going to be more expensive. It's going to be worth more. But let me go ahead and debunk a theory for you here. When adding diamonds to a luxury watch can decrease its value. Decrease its value. So you bought something that was valuable, and then you added something that you perceived had value, and you thought it probably could make it more valuable or more flashy. But what you did was, in a wealthy circle, they would automatically say you devalued that watch. Probably more often than not, you devalued the watch. And the reason why they're going to say you devalued the watch is because they know they buy assets to later be able to sell if the value goes up. So the Rolex market now is very difficult to buy a new Rolex. It is almost very low inventory. However, you can buy a pre-owned or a previously owned worn watch, and that watch will have a better value if it's basic. So if it looks like this, as you can see, the Sea Dweller is $20,000. No diamonds on it. Zero diamonds. And the people who buy these watches know that if I buy two, three, or four of them over time in a hot market, I could actually resell them because people want them like this. They don't want them like this. Only a select group of people want the watches like this. Mostly rappers and new monies, and ninjas, right? And so the resale market is better when it is basic. Again, we're going to get to that when I get to vehicles. Okay, so it says here, many people believe that adding diamonds or gemstones to a watch will, will invariably increase its value. In some cases, this is correct since the intrinsic value, meaning the value you give it even yourself of the added materials will augment the value of the watch itself only for you. However, in other interest, in, uh, instances, the watch in its unaltered, all original condition is worth far more than the material value of the added diamonds and the customizing the watch in any way actually becomes detrimental to its own value and desirability. 
okay? So not always does it decrease the value. It might increase the value to another person who believes diamond-encrusted watches who are altered from its original state is going to be valuable to them. But that's an intrinsic value. On the market, on the extrinsic value, on the market, it actually is not going to very rarely add value. Let's continue here. Let's continue here. Here's another one. How not to improve a Rolex. This there's is there is no fast way to lose money on watches than trying to improve them. All right, this statement might sound obvious. <laughs> it might sound obvious, but it's not. You think something flashy and shiny is going to be more valuable most often not. Um and it says here, but it is an important reminder to thousands of people spending millions of dollars modifying their watches with custom accoutrements, uh, uh, accoutrements and new parts. That guy posing with this arm cross, let's call him Rick Ross, in a diamond encrusted oyster on his wrist doesn't know that his statement piece is making a very strong statement indeed. And that statement is, this guy just flushed a lot of money down the toilet. Uh, Paul... Altieri, owner of Bob's Watches, a major player in the used Rolex market, says he's seeing mod jobs with increasing frequency and breaking a hell of a lot of bad news. Quote, people pay so much for custom watches, and then when they go to sell them, they think they got the investment, but that $80,000 watch is worth $5,000 or $8,000 to us, he explains. It is just it is just not worth the work. Okay, so there's another example there. You guys can read this. Improving watches for that might bring value to you. But understand, understand this. Wealthy people do buy Rolexes. Don't get me wrong. You will find wealthy people buying Rolexes. They might have five, six, seven Rolexes. However, they buy it in the mindset that maybe I'm going to pass this on to my son. Maybe I'm going to pass this on to my grandson. Maybe I'm going to sell these when the market is hot. I just don't, I like the Rolex, but I'm going to buy some because I know that this is going to keep its value. And there's an article here that says, um, let me see if I put it here. Uh, Rolexes almost overwhelmingly keep their value. Now, what happens is if you don't have money, you don't know this. You don't know this. Okay. And it says, Little Dirk offered, uh, offers jewelry buying advice amid iced out scams quote all uh, a lot of ish is fake a lot of the ish fake <laughs> sorry little dirt i'm trying to uh, understand there and he took the instagram to give his take on all the co uh, commotion about fake jewelry that has been creeping up in the culture again it's a cultural thing okay stop buying all this jewelry without knowing what you're doing a lot of this is fake and some of it is overpriced. You get one jeweler and stick to them and tell them you'll ask, be gone, be pissed <laughs> when the truth come out. All right. Whatever you were saying, little Dirk, I get it. I understand, sir. In this situation here, jeweler admits selling rapper little baby fake $400,000 paddock watch by mistake. By mistake, Coke, uh, right here, it says, this is just embarrassing for everyone, but especially for diamond jewelry and luxury watch dealer, uh, Raffiolo and Company. The company has admitted it sold little baby. Uh, what it took, wait, 
what it took to be a $400,000 Paddock 40th anniversary Nautilus watch. Little baby showed it off only to find out it was a fake. Okay, and so now you have a lot of people taking advantage of ignorant people who think, hey, this, this is a Rolex. This is a Paddock. This is a um, this is a, any other watch. This is a uh, Audemars. All right. And so it is not. It is a fake. There's a lot of people who spend a lot of money faking these products and they sell them to you at high prices only for you to try to look rich and you and have you wear your net worth around your neck and around your wrist. So why do why do wealthy people not uh, not show these things? Let me show you an example right now. Let me show you an example. Not to say they don't have these things. We're going to get to that argument. They have these things. They don't have them diamond encrusted, and, and they're not wearing a combination of jewelry, chains, and watches and rings at the same time. All right, so they're, they're not going to do that. Let me give you an example of this right here. I'm going to go in a little bit more on this example right. Where is it? Uh, this guy right here. All right, I'm going to use them as an example because this is going to be a good example. All right, Mike Greenberg. All right, I want you guys to catch what I'm saying here. Really catch what I'm saying because I went to school in a little bit of the past the San Fernando Valley with a lot of Mike Greenbergs. All right, everybody with me on this one. About 60% of my school were from the Mike Greenberg family. Everybody got me. Now, take a look at Mike Greenberg here. All right, Mike Greenberg is for ESPN uh, sports analyst. This is him. This is his wife. All right. As you can see, um, there's nothing that looks in particularly wealthy about this two couple. They look like they could be a wealthy couple. <laughs> they could. They look like they could be a wealthy couple, but he doesn't look wealthy, does he? I mean, does he look wealthy? He looks like he could have some money. All right, but there's nothing blingy about him. His swag is all off. He corny looking. His haircut is a little bit miffed. All right, he's got stubble around his beard. All right, his wife is a basic, uh, we're going to not call her Becky, a, a basic uh, Gwen or a basic Laura, all right? But I want to show you something. Mike Greenberg's salary is, where's my thing here? I'm going to show you Mike Greenberg's salary. Where's the thing at? Did I lose the clip? Uh, I did lose it. All right, so Mike Greenberg's salary. Oh, it's right here. <laughs> it is the clip. I just put it on images. Here's Mike Greenberg's salary per year. Here's the salary per year. $6.5 million annually. Annually. He makes six point. Now, let's go back and look again. He makes $6.5 million annually. I'm sure he passes on the majority of it to Rebecca or whatever. Her yeah, we're going to call her Rebecca with a K. All right, Rebecca with a KH. Rebecca gets the most of this money and spends it probably how she wants, but he makes six million dollars a year, almost seven, and he looks like this. This is what he looks like, right? And though, so most people would assume, hey, you should look a certain way if you have certain money. Well, wealthy people typically don't do that. All right, they do uh, other things with their money, and we'll get into that. One more thing that you'll notice about people like Mike Greenberg and such, and I'll put this up right here, NBA player salaries and such. As you can see, these people, most of these men are African-American men. As you can see, there's a lot of wealth in the hood. Most of the time, you will be hard-pressed 
to hear a Mike Greenberg tell you what he earns. If you walk to a Mike Greenberg and you said, hey, how much money do you earn? Mike Greenberg would be like this. He wouldn't even give you a hint, a sniff at what he earns. He wouldn't even give you any type of indication that he earns a certain amount of money. He wouldn't even dis- he wouldn't display it. He wouldn't even have the conversation with you. He would think that conversation would be foul. That is a foul territory conversation. And this guy probably has a restaurant his family owns. He probably owns four or five homes. He probably got plenty of money in stock. He got plenty of money. He makes plenty of money. He would never even uh, insinuate what he makes. He would never even come close to telling you what he makes because in their culture, it's bad manners, yes. In their culture, it's a conversation you don't broach. But in our culture, especially in sports, we see they're far too ready to report what these young black men are making, making them targets in, in essence. And then people try to live their lifestyle that don't have that money just to show you, hey, I got money. See, our culture is a little bit different because we grow up in hip hop in which we show you what our net worth is. Most of the time, anything that I'm wearing is supposed to tell you what I'm worth. The conversation has to be, I have money. We have to prove that we have money. And I'm actually against doing this other than I have the, people are going to say, but you have a Porsche. I'm going to get to that in a minute. But most of the time in our culture, we're far too willing to have to try to prove that we're not a dusty, that we're not broke. We always have to show you, look at this wristwatch, look at this uh, bracelet, look at this house, look at this car, look at this girl I got. We're always trying to display why we have money. And most of the time we don't even have that much money. Right. We don't even have as much money as a Mike Greenberg who would never even talk about the conversation. When it comes to these young black men who have all of this access to money and many of them go what broke. Many of them go broke. Sixty seven percent of them, 60 percent of them have single mamas. Sixty percent get divorced. Sixty percent or better are going to lose their money and go broke within five years. I want to ask you, how many times have you heard? How many times have you heard the owners of these franchises tell you how much money they make? I want you to find the publication that tells you how the exact dollar amount, the exact dollar amount that every franchise owner takes home in their family. I'll wait. I'll wait and I'll wait and I'll wait. You know why? In their culture, they never will display or disclose what they make. They keep their money and they keep it on the shh. So much so that you wouldn't even recognize a family member of an NBA franchise owner. You wouldn't even know. You wouldn't know his wife. You wouldn't know his daughter. You wouldn't know where they went to school and et cetera, et cetera. But in our culture, we got to always talk about it. Right? There's, we got to always talk about it. Not only do we have to talk about it, we got to prove it. And then when somebody comes in and tries to challenge you, well, you just broke. That just goes and speaks to the fact that people can't respect people's information. You got to see how flashy I am for you to take the information. And when I don't display my, my um, flashiness, you think I'm broke. Well, you're wrong. Most people that have these items are broke. 
And most people that don't have these items could be wealthy or they could be not and vice versa. Most people that could show you these items, they could be well within their means. But many times not. And this is what people have to understand, especially young men and young people watching people on Instagram and YouTube blow up and have cars. Look at that one brother named um, Ami, Ami and a Hellcat. Ami and a Hellcat. He had 18 cars, a big fancy house, and he's going to go to prison probably for a long, a long time. Right. And so short money, it might not be your route. Flashiness might not be your route. But guess what? Right. You're supposed to tell people nothing. You know, I know we say I got money. I got money. I know. Supposed, but but you're not supposed to tell everybody what you got. And nor are you supposed to display it at all times because then you become a target. Now, I'm going to go over the Porsche and then we'll do the Super Chats. All right. So we're going to talk about this because somebody did try to challenge me on this. So I want to talk about this. And, and 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 someone challenged me on it. And I was like, dude, you don't know. Listen, if you're ignorant, I understand. If you don't know, I understand. It takes a lot of time and research to know these things. If you're ignorant, don't speak up because you're just going to only prove how ignorant you are. So one of the comments I had, and shout out to Brian Horsley on the Cash app. Appreciate your content and work ethic, coach. Thank you, sir. One of the comments, you know, they said, well, you're broke and you live in a studio apartment and you have a used Porsche and it's basic black. And I said back to him, one of the comments back to him, I said, I don't think you realize the Porsche market, the, the car rarely appreciates. It, it appreciates the lowest among sports cars, number one. Number two, if I threw candy apple red paint on it and put spinning Dayton rims on it, it would decrease the value. You don't know that. Number three, I could sell the car today and make a profit. I can sell the car today and make a profit. So what people don't understand is I did that research going in and I'm going to prove my point. I proved my point because I did my research going in. I could have bought a Hellcat. I could have bought a Corvette. I could have bought, I wouldn't have bought a Ferrari, but I couldn't have bought a Ferrari, but I could have bought any one of these other cars, but I did my research. I said, you know what? I can buy these cars, but it only has an intrinsic value. It decreases significantly. The value of it decreases significantly, so there's no resale market. Now, watch this. The Ninja would put candy apple paint, candy apple red paint on a Porsche. You would ninjify it like you do Lexuses. You go get a Lexus, and you ninjify the Lexus. Uh, you decrease the value of the Lexus, by the way. You don't need to put rims on a Lexus, all right? The, it's a Lexus, <laughs> all right? So let's show you right here. Let's show you right here. This is the type of research that you must do. Do Porsches hold their value? Five models with examples. Depreciation is a harsh reality facing most car owners. The more the moment you drive it from the new car lot, its value drops. Although depreciation can be stopped, it makes sense to buy a car that will not lose value rapidly. Porsche vehicles or Porsche vehicles offer an uh, attractive combination of performance luxury, but do they hold their value? Listen to this article. Compared to other brands, Porsche retains their value for longer. Strong demand and historical uh, reliability means Porsche depreciates slowly and typically have high resale values. Also, Porsche is the top luxury brand in terms of resale value by many used car dealers. Going forward, going forward here, there's a there's going to be a list here, and it says right here these Porsche models depreciate the least, while all Porsches, while all Porsche models 
retain their uh, value well. Some do better than others. Here are the Porsche models that depreciate the least. Number one, arguably the 911. Arguably Porsche's most iconic car, the 911, has built a cult following among car enthusiasts worldwide. Okay. The 911 is popular for several reasons. First, it is one of the few sports cars practical enough for daily driving, which is important. You can't daily drive a Ferrari. You can't daily drive a Lamborghini. That's a Sunday driver. A Porsche, you can. It has a rear seat compartment and two trunks, blah, blah, blah. Strong demand. Strong demand for old and new 911 models have ensured high resale values for the model. For example, owners of old 911, such as the 996 and the 964, have seen a five or 10 time increase in the value of their cars. This is this in particular results from the modern thirst for classic cars in a burgeoning vehicle auction market. You want some more proof? I want you to look at this. This is from Car Gurus, Porsche 911 Trends. They're going to tell you in a marketplace. I want you to look here. Take a look here. This is the Porsches. And these are the years of the Porsches. Used. Used. 1987 Porsche. 119. And I will tell you what I paid for mine. And I did pay it all up front. All right. So, but look at these vehicles. 88 Porsche. Still over 100 grand. 89 Porsche. 150. Here it is here. 96 Porsche 911. 129. 98 Porsche 911, 144. Here's some that have depreciated, but let's go to the one I have. 2020 Porsche 911. Look at across the board, $150,000. Look at across here. In a year, in a year, this is the appreciation of the Porsches. In a year, 35% up. The used market is hot. 20% up, 25% up, 28% up, 57% up. All right, it's a classic car. This is why they have car clubs for it. 22% up. The one I have right here, 911, 12.3% up. This market value is way above what I paid for it. Way, to, way above. All right, so the one I have now, I paid less than that. I paid significantly less than that. All right, but this is what people don't understand. You guys just look at it. And then you think that's the value and you always you you come up with every excuse as to why somebody did something and then literally don't understand that it's not a depreciation asset if you buy something that doesn't depreciate fast. But you. You're going to ninja it. What do you want me to put on it? What do you want me to put on it? Big turbo pipes, a big racing fin painted green. What do you want me to do? Put candy apple sparkling paint, put hydraulics on it. No. You don't do that because people know that when they buy valuable things, they eventually will need to resell it. You eventually will need to resell it. Anyone that buys a Rolex, in their mind, they know that they need to resell it. Anybody who's anybody except the ninja mindset person knows that when I buy a Rolex, my Thought, one of the thoughts in my mind is, what if I need to resell it? I'll give you one more thing here, and then we'll do the Super Chats. Let me give you some proof so that maybe it'll make sense. Now in the world of shoes. In the world of shoes, now you might understand this. 
See, in the world of shoes, they have a company called StockX, in which you can see, based like a stock price, how you can resell shoes. Now, shoes is a marketplace in which you can buy them. They're a luxury item. You can buy them, and then you can resell them over time if you don't use them or wear them. There's a lot of people who are buying piles and piles of shoes with the mindset to resell them. Okay, it's the same thing as a watch. It's the same thing as a car. It's the same thing as a house. Most of them are depreciating assets when used incorrectly. But when used correctly and you have the access to the resources and you don't have to wear them every day and you're not going to get shot in your neighborhood for wearing them, you could buy something like this, wear them once or twice and then resell them. Resell them. Anyway, man, somebody said, uh, are all Rolexes fake? Man, I'm going to tell you, there's a bit. Listen, Rolexes rarely decrease in price and value, rarely, especially when you don't wear them often and you don't modify them. However, with that being said, one of the most copied watches out there, one of those most fake watches produced are fake Rolexes. Fake Rolexes are, see, this is why it's hard for me to buy a Rolex, right? Because I don't trust the dealers. I don't trust the dealers. I don't trust where they're selling them. I don't trust the marketplace. I have a very hard trust factor with them. It's crazy because they fake them so crazy. And I watch a lot of videos of them faking them. It's hard to pick out. Yeah, like fake Jordans. They have fake Jordans now. It's hard to pick out. You got to know who you're buying from. If you don't know who you're buying from, I would not buy. I would just not even buy one. All right, there's too many out here. So anyway, let's get to these Super Chats. Uh, let's see here. Where are we at? But this is an education, man. This is an education for a lot of guys because a lot of guys think uh, they know what it's about and they buy things with no value. You just don't even think about it. Oh, this person has a shiny, blingy thing. I'm going to buy it. And then you realize you lost money. And then not only that, you've, you bought a fake one at that. It's crazy. All right. And same thing with fake women, right? Uh, Sada the Amari says in Miami, you'll see a lot of actual rich whites and Arabs with diamond and Louis Vuitton because it's a flashy place in general, but you Milwaukee dudes get out the hood first. Yes, it is a flashy place. See, a place like that, yeah, Miami, LA, New York, uh, mostly Miami, LA. New York is not really flashy like that per se. Their, their wealth, is, wealth is very muted. You really can't tell who. You could be walking down the street and the person has a $30 million skyrise uh, penthouse. You wouldn't even know it, right? Unless he hopped into his uh his 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 car. You know what I mean? See, you saw his parking service bring his car around, you know. You probably wouldn't notice. You got to be in the right places. But um in the in in the hood, you shouldn't be purchasing any of these items. Manhattan can be flashy, yes. But you got to be in the right spot if you ain't even you know, if you don't even have the right entree into the, the culture, you're not even in. Um, you know, so he's talking about there's a lot of, you know, Persian Persian people. We're just talking about stereotypes. Persian people tend to show off, right? They'll be wearing Versace shirts with the big lion on the back, you know, and the lions. You just be like, it'd be gaudy. You know what I mean? It's not just ninjas. Ninjas is not a black thing, but that mindset is. But what you're going to find out is I know a lot of people in, in all cultures that act like they have money and they don't got no money. They don't got money like that. 
All right. The real Jason C. Coach, this is a show. There is a show on iHeartRadio called Waiting on Reparations to Communitize Doomed Coach Gang for Life. That's sad. That's sad. Everybody, everybody knows that that would be a disaster. All right, you can't just have everybody win the lottery at the same time. Number one, it just doesn't help you. Because then everybody's on the same level. Everybody got the same check. So then it just devalues the worth of the check. Right? If everybody got a check, then that means everybody got the same thing. Y'all all run out to the same store and buy up all the same stuff. And they, all, the, all they're going to do is raise the prices of everything. <laughs> That's what I would do. Y'all going to be waiting your ass off. But it's not a solution. I mean, it could be, it should be, but it's not. Uh, I mean, it's a dollar coach. Tell them to keep away from these meat vacuums. Yes, money, energy, attention, time. If you're going to invest in some of these things, I would say get them. Or if they mean something, they really, really mean something to you, then get it. Most of the time, it's not going to mean anything to you. Somebody said it'll be gone by sundown. It will be, it, it will be, and, and the murder rate will double, if not triple. If I know you got a check and I know you cashed your check and I got every, I know everybody got a check. The murder rate going to go up like crazy because I'm going to steal your check or there's going to be people that got scams. That's going to, I'll flip your money and I'll double it by the end of the weekend. It's crazy. The quant, the quantum 36, I think prostitution may eventually be regulated and taxed by these cities as another source of income for these cities. Um, that be, could be interesting. I don't know how you would really, because there's too many ways to do it underground. You know what I mean? Then they would have to go back and punish people for doing it out in the street or on seeking or on dating apps, right? I, it's going to be tough. Ryan S., thank you for becoming a new member. Moose Hefner, coach, I got to ask, what is a mouth breather, LOL? A mouth breather is somebody that slack jaw, right? Slack jaw. You ever see the guy, he always breathing out his mouth like this? And his jaw's not, he can't keep his mouth shut. Like you breathe through your nose. You don't breathe through your mouth. That's a mouth breather. <laughs> You're supposed to breathe in through your nose and out your mouth. Not breathe in air from your mouth into your nose. So a mouth breather, typically a slack jaw is typically going to be somebody who is not either cultured or ignorant or really, dumb, you know what I mean? Mouth breather, Neanderthal. Yeah. Anybody? Yeah, man. And I was just, you know what I mean? They act like they've been running. Shout out to the mouth breathers out here. <laughs> you got to keep your, hey, when you're not talking, you like this. You see, I'm breathing through my nose. That's a mouth breather. Mouth breather is, uh, you know, uh, yeah, old Neanderthal caveman. They probably breathe through their mouth. <laughs> All right, so Miles Hefner, I got you. Moose Hefner says, uh, uh, Isaiah Tay says, did you hear about the Jared Allen story? People were clowning him for wearing a basic fit at the All-Star game, but dude is worth $100 million clown world we live in. Like, what is he supposed to do? What is he supposed to do? Just waste his money? I mean, I'm not a big clothes guy. I, I like basic very, but I don't get it. They're like spending all your money at the rate that athletes go broke. Like, why is it even a thing for the guy um, 
at the rate that athletes go broke, why is it even a thing that he has to, everybody's encouraging, hey, man, spend it. Like, okay, I don't want to. <laughs> um, It's crazy. Go watch that 30 for 30 series broke with athletes. Athletes be going broke like crazy. There was a story about Jeff Van Gundy when he was coaching the New York Knicks. He drove a Honda, uh, like a Honda Civic or a Honda Accord the whole time he coached the Knicks. And I know he made over a million dollars a year. And he didn't care about that. He like, whatever. <laughs> he was like, man, I just need to get the work. He probably worked 18 hours a day. He was like, I ain't home long enough. You know what I noticed? That this is what I noticed about dressing clean. Is that this is what I used to do. Because I used to try to dress to impress. Not, not too much. I'm not talking about I was suited up in the suit or anything. But I would always take time to think about what I was wearing. Right? And I would have different items to select from. And I would have a white pair of shorts, a black pair of shorts, a gray pair of shorts. You know what I mean? Like all this stuff and matching this with the shoes and make sure I didn't have Adidas socks with Nike shoes and all of this stuff. And I wanted my T-shirt to be crisp and clean and all. What I noticed was I would do all of that work. I would get up, iron my stuff. I do all that work to go do a basic thing, like go to the grocery store. You know what I mean? Like or go to the mall. And then most people probably wouldn't even say nothing. Nothing really happened. Nobody said, man, you look great today. <laughs> you know what I mean? Nobody really said anything. Nobody's, oh, you suited and booty, kicking it with the lopes. Look at you. You look fantastic. Nobody really said anything. Most people might have just looked me up and down, you know. And I'm sitting there going, why do I get all that effort? <laughs> like, why did I make all that damn effort? I'll just put on, I'll just buy a bunch of black t-shirts that fit my body well, a black pair of jeans or dark blue jeans, and I, it's the same effort. It's the same effort. I get the same amount of attention. Nobody says, nobody runs up on me. The girls don't be like, oh, you're good. You got nice shoes. You know what I mean? So I really like the effort wasn't worth it. Now, if I'm going to someplace fine dining, yeah, I can dress up and I can do it. If I'm going to do something and go in the right place, I don't mind dressing up. But not no every day. Not, not no every day. <laughs> I'm not about to do that every day. All right? Not to do everyday regular things. It ain't worth it to me. Yeah, it ain't. It's not worth it to me. Now, I could be wrong, but to me, nobody cares. And plus, anyway. I found it like 90% a waste of time. Like I would wake up in the morning and think about, oh, does this match with this? And does this go with that? To do something basic. So now what I do is go, all right, I have about 30 black t-shirts. <laughs> you know what I mean? I have four pair of jeans. I have white and blue, and I got more pair of jeans than that. Light blue, dark blue, black, black, black. black. And I literally just put that the hell on. I don't even think. I don't even think the only thing I have to think about sometimes is if I didn't get to around to folding my laundry and I got to go to my laundry room and go find the T-shirt. Forget it. <laughs> I mean, dude, it's not even worth the effort for me. It's not. So um, then I actually got my own clothes and all that. I just throw this on comfy. What do I have under here? Black T-shirt. <laughs> I got black socks on. I got black sweatpants that goes with this, which you'll see here this weekend. Man, what the hell? 
every now and then I might get some nice shoes. You know what I mean? I'll get a couple of pair of nice shoes, but most of the time I'm wearing bands. Black on black on black. Who am I trying to impress? Adrian Paul TV, he says, don't polish or add to it. He says, a bust down is considered a fake Rolex. Most of them can be sold at the price it's bought at. Others go for two to five times higher than retail. Yes, be careful. Don't add to it. Don't be walking around, hitting it on the table all day. If you're going to wear the Rolex, you go out, you have your dinner. You know what I mean? You show, you sh go somewhere where ain't nobody going to just set up to rob you, but you don't know where that could be. Go have your dinner, switch your watch off. You know what I mean? I think, I think if I, if you own a Rolex, you only wear it for a period of time during the day and then you switch the watch to something else. Uh, Lamar Green, blue chip mindset, Ms. Money. Tell him, coach. Yes, sir. A man supporting men says, coach, I saw a Rolex watch in Sam Club for 300 to 500 bucks. It's going to be probably worthless. I wouldn't get that watch. There are some Rolexes you can get. Can you get a Rolex for that low? <laughs> I don't think you can get it for that low, honestly. It probably is very old. Is it new? There's no way. All right, McDowell's Human Resource Department says, I've seen wealthy do the same with high-end comics and collectibles and pass them down to family members. Yes, sir. I got money. We're going to get to that part of it. Is the point of all of this is can you pass this down, right? Um, I heard Steve Harvey even talk about that. I'm only going to pass down 10% of my wealth to kids. I'm going to keep 85 or 90% of it. Okay, I mean, that's you can do that. I've heard other people say they'll they'll leave nothing for their kids. That's fine. Uh, they don't deserve it. They need to work. Okay. I mean, you can do that too. Um, and then I heard people that are doing this. Oh, I got a great story for you. Somebody at my door leaving something and it ain't mine. Adria Paul TV says the reality of nice things is that other men will comment on it. Not women, cars, watches, etc. Get these things for yourself. Not the women's attention. Um, unless you're dealing with apex predators. Yeah, I got a Belova for sure. I, I like Belova's watches. Hold on for a second. Somebody's leaving something in front of my door and I don't think I ordered anything. I should get to that. Wait, I don't know what's going on here. Um, but the reality of uh, realities is that, uh, most people that say things about the nice things that I have are overwhelmingly men. It's crazy. And young men and old men, I was pulled up and at the stop like this young dude was like, Hold on, man. I got I to gotta handle this. Somebody's leaving something in front of my door, and uh, they're probably leaving somebody's groceries, and they aren't mine. There's a guy outside. He's leaving some Amazon grocery deliveries. He thinks they're mine. I had to go out there, man. This ain't mine. He ringing my doorbell. This ain't mine, bro. So, uh, and I'm like, I'm on an important call. I can't talk right now. So anyway, he's got to find the right uh, place to drop that off. So anyway, uh, shout out to Adrian Paul. Uh, the point is a lot of women 
A lot of women will know apex predators, know Rolexes, or they know what to look for. But most women don't. Most women don't even know, like most men don't know the value of the Porsche that I talked about. They just know, okay, it's a Porsche. But what does that mean? If you ask any woman, somebody said free groceries. I ain't like that. Um, if you ask any woman, how much is a Porsche cost? They would have no clue. They'd be like, you understand what I'm saying? So what Adrian Paul is saying is right. A young teenage guy, pause, or a man who was in his advanced ages, he's 60 and he always wanted one, he knows exactly what it costs. He knows the exact dollar amount. But a guy, a guy like um, a, a, a woman, she don't know what a Porsche is. She just know, oh, they say that's a nice car. They don't know what a Ferrari costs. Not only that, they don't even know how much it would cost, like how much net worth you would have to afford a car like that. They don't have a clue, bro. So um, the only way they have a clue is somebody tells them, hey, he's wearing a Rolex. Oh, he's got a Porsche. He's got a Ferrari. Oh, that's all they know. <laughs> all right. So anyway, that's a great point. And let me see how far I can go. Joshua Fraser, morning. And shout out to the coach gang. You're absolutely right about the community needs to flex their wealth because it's just like uh, simping. It all derives from need of validation, especially from women. They, <laughs> yeah, I, I think men think that again, you know, maybe they might know what jewelry costs, but I think what, what, what happened to my, what happened to my stream? <laughs> Did I get cut off? Let me see. I got cut off on this stream. What's going on? I lost all my super chats. My my screen just went blank. <laughs> what happened? Am I still on? Okay, all right. This screen just literally reset. Let me see if I can find that super chat. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I I don't think people really know. Okay, somebody can see me. Shout out to you. All right. Not only are they dropping off fake groceries, they're turning off my streams. They really tried to cut me off. All right, uh, fitness whenever, wherever says don't listen to ignorant ninjas. They either pocket watch or hate. Leave them to their ignorance and keep pushing. Shout out to you on that one. Yeah, they, that's all they know. They're going to pocket watch. They're going to look things up instead of going getting it themselves. But before you get these things, I'm going to tell you, you better do your research. Let's talk about this. You got to do your research. Let's talk about houses. I've always talked about this. House poor. I worked in mortgages. I sold real estate. I've, I've leased people houses and all of this. What I will tell you is this. Most people do not know what the hell they're doing when they're buying a house. I'm just letting you know right now, most people are clueless. Of them, of the clueless people, typically if it is a husband and a wife, the wife is completely clueless. But she's driving. Sometimes she's driving the house purchase. She's driving uh, the, the reason to purchase the house. And she might consider it's in a good neighborhood. It has the setup I want. The kitchen is big enough. She's going to act like she's going to cook in that kitchen. She just wants a big kitchen. All right. And she wants a place to entertain and socialize. She wants to live in the neighborhood that all of the other fancy people live in. Now, she's going to drive this house per purchase. And the guy's going to set a budget. My budget is $500,000. But she's going to push that budget up to seven hundred and fifty. dollars Right. And then eventually that guy will go, well, whatever the wife wants, I'll end up working for it. I'll find a way to afford this house. And then they'll have to work late at night. 
And then she'll say, you're never home, right? You don't take care of the kids. I do everything around here. Meanwhile, she don't pay the note. She don't pay the mortgage note. She doesn't know they have an adjustable rate mortgage. He had to somehow finagle this home purchase and he got an adjustable rate mortgage that in five years, it's like a ticking time bomb. They're going to be broke. They're not going to afford the payment. He only paid interest only payments. And now he has to pay principal and interest and the uh, updated uh, adjustable rate. Right. So. There's a lot of people who own homes. There's a lot of people who own big homes. If you understand the trend between homes that were built in the 1980s and houses that were built in the year 2000, the square footage and the massive size of the homes are completely different. It was common for a house to be in the 1980s, one level floor, one floor, a ranch style home, one bathroom, three bedrooms, kids share the bedrooms. Right. That was very common. A lot of people grew up like that. But not anymore. Everybody's got to have their own bedroom. There's got to be five bathrooms to three bedrooms. Right. You know, something crazy. It's got to be big, big backyard in the right location. Um, much of the space in the home, you know, you got like 20 feet ceilings, 20 foot ceilings. Now, a house in the 80s, 10 foot ceilings, 12, 12 at the most. This, the, the, you can see the damn popcorn on the ceilings right there. You could jump up, you could you could jump up and brush all the popcorn off the top of the ceiling. <laughs> the ceiling was right there. All right. You could just jump off and brush all that asbestos right into your uh your nasal cavity. But now people have homes where the ceiling's 20, 25, 30 feet up. But what are you doing with that space? See, that's that's the next question you ask. You go, okay, you have all of that space. You could add a second floor in that house. You can actually add a second floor in a house, but no, you got to have 20 foot ceiling, right? Mm. 25, 30 foot. And this is what the mindset is. If you don't have a house, people just assume you're broke or poor. Renting is throwing away money. I debunk that. It is not throwing away money. There's a reason why you would rent. There's not a reason why you would rent long-term unless the location was just that desirable for you. So that's the reason why you would rent. But you can rent somewhere that you live and own property somewhere else that you would never live in. You'd be like, I would never live in that property, but I'll own it and I'll use it as an income driving source or whatever it is. I'll flip houses. But people assume if you don't live in a house, you're broke, which is not true. It is not always true. Just the same as people who own houses are rich. That is not true. That is not true. There's a lot of people who will lose their ass on home purchases every year. I see it all the time. Guys, I sold houses and I did mortgages at one point. These were all, and I still have a license. I see people going in to purchase their homes. They're going to be asked out. <laughs> they're going to be asked out in a minute. And so there's a definition to call house poor, in which house poor is a term used to describe a person who spends a large proportion of his or her total income on home ownership, including mortgage payments, property taxes, maintenance, and utilities, all things that people don't consider. You don't consider property taxes when you buy it. You don't consider the HOA fee. You don't consider any sort of other taxation. You don't consider the maintenance. You don't. And you say, well, I own a house. I'm rich. No, you're not. Nope. And you say, well, I have equity in this house. No, you don't. Nope. Let me just give you a formula here. We're going to work some... uh. We're going to work a little bit of math here. Say you own a home for 10 years. <laughs> Straight up math here. 
You own a home for 10 years. It appreciates $200,000 in the 10 years. You say, I netted $200,000 from this home, but did you really? Did you really net $200,000 from that home? I mean, could you sell that house at $200,000 and buy the same house or a better version of that house in your neighborhood? Probably not. You're going to have to lower your value because you just took out the cash. Now, how much time did you put into that house? You probably put a significant amount of time in that 10 years in that house. So I if I divide $200,000 and I divide that by 10 years that you lived in it, that means you made $20,000 a year on that house. Now, I don't know if you know math, $20,000 a year is not a good salary. It's better than nothing but you didn't passively earn $200,000. Same thing as you didn't passively earn $20,000 in that year. What you did is you worked for that house. You worked for that $20,000 a year. You worked for that $200,000 in that year. So you didn't passively make that money by just home ownership. You put in significant time and effort and, and energy. Probably you got shortchanged and chump changed for that $200,000 in advancement. And let's not take out the fact that you probably put in $100,000, if not more into that house that you got at uh, $200,000 appreciated, right? You understand what I'm saying? So you're not even including what you put into the house financially. Not only that, you don't put the time and the work and the energy and the effort that you put in. Yeah, you made some money from the sale, but you work for that money. Okay, you work for that money. And then once they tax the shit out of that with capital gains tax, you're probably you're probably broke even. Mm. You're probably broke even even. So I just want people to understand that. That's how I look at things. And that's how people should look at things when they go into this, or else you'll 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 pay for too much house and you'll end up working for the house instead of the house working for you. So what other things can you do? Grant Cardone is a guy who lives by this one. Rent where you live and own where you rent. That's our own what you can rent to others. This is a way you can get around that. Somebody says profit 5K a year. Yeah. Okay. And so rent where you live, which is what I do, own uh, and own what you can rent to others. Now, will I tell you what I own? No, because I'm not, I'm not a ninja. Like same as the NBA owners don't tell you what they own. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that. I'm not going to tell you what I own and where I own it. All right, but this is a good philosophy to live by if you don't necessarily want to own some house in Tupelo, Mississippi. Maybe you can own in Tupelo and live where you want to live. You can go buy a condo or rent a condo in Miami and enjoy life and own a home in Tupelo. Right? You can do that. Uh, what about this? Uh, why is this Rolex dealers up here? Oh, we were talking about stock X stashing cash. Uh, why am I talking about that? Oh, let's talk about this looking rich again. How many rich people? This is the shoe that's known as the here's the shoe right here. <laughs> what is this shoe known as right here? So you have the Kanye shoe. And then you have what the guys are called. What is this shoe? Uh, who's known to wear this shoe? Who's known to wear this shoe? You know, old white men, right? <laughs> Old white man, this is the old white man sneaker. The New Balance, 89 bucks, which is pretty, the Monarch Nike, yeah, that one, you know. I know a lot of men 
my phone just a blowing up. It is just incredible. All right. A lot of people I know that have money wear this shoe. I swear to God, per, they, 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 they pay personal trainers $150 a session, and this is the shoe they own. I never see people that, own, that are paying for personal trainers own shoes like this. I see the personal trainers wearing shoes like this. <laughs> this is how crazy it is. Personal trainers will wear shoes like this to train dudes that wear shoes like this. I, I, it's it's the crazy craziest thing, and the personal trainer is scraping by. Now nah, he's doing well at 150 a session, but this is the mindset of most people, right? And so, men who have money tend to be wearing shoes like this. They why why are they wearing shoes like this? You ask. Why are they wearing shoes like this? Well, number one, they have a wife, right? So they have a wife. Number two, number two. They don't have no sense of style or swag. Like to them, it's not important. Just like I told you to me, it's not important unless it's an important occasion. They're like, I'm just going to the gym. All right. I'm not worried about all that. Right. Number three, they probably got foot issues. Number four, they're using their money instead of buying uh, a Kanye shoe. They're going to use it to buy assets. Yeah, it's comfortable, right? That that shoe is not, is that shoe's going to prevent them from having to go see a podiatrist. Later on, you know what I mean? They 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 have the, the little extra heel, right? And so they're using their money to buy assets instead of buying liabilities. And in essence, they look at those other shoes as a liability. Um, and they're looking to pass down money to other generations. And this is where I get to story time. I once heard a story on Vlad TV, and the story went something like this: a rapper sampled another musician's music. And so he, Vlad was interviewing the, the rapper that sampled the music. And he said he sampled it from, I can't remember who the person was, but it was somebody who was uh, like a 70s rock star, maybe Led Zeppelin. I can't remember who it was. And the 70s rock star didn't know that he sampled the music until he was notified. Like he didn't hear it and say, hey, that's mine. Somebody told him, his lawyer told him, hey, this guy sampled your music. And then the conversation of, is it a sample? Is it my music? What is it, right? And so eventually he got sued. The 70s rock star sued the rapper. And so the rapper says on Vlad TV, basically I made money. I made up $1.5 million from that song, but the artist who sued me took all of it. I think it was Sting. Was it Sting? I think it might've been Sting. It might've been Sting. And so the, the, the artist sued the rapper but the rapper lost all of the money, all of it. All of the money that he made from that song, it went to Sting. Let's just say it's Sting. Now, what Sting said, Sting said this. You're, the money that I just made from you, that I took from you, that you stole from me because you used my music, I'm going to pay for my grandkids college it was sting not the wrestler i'm gonna pay for my grandkids college with the money you just made from stealing my music i said damn it was juice world and sting i think i remember seeing that interview 
So here's what here's what people were saying. Why do men do this? <laughs> why do men do this? Number one reason why they do it is they're looking to pass down that money to future generations. Now, if they can find somebody that they can get the money from, then that's what's going to happen. But I'm going to pay for my grandkids' college with the money that that you made while you stole my property. Oh, he paid Puffy. I think that's what Puffy said too, right? So I can't remember who said that, but that is an amazing idea. That is a blue chip mindset. See, what most people do is they waste their money on these things. I'm not saying you can't not have them. Have them if you want, but also keep in mind that you have a bigger thing here you're trying to do. You're trying to pass on your wealth or you're trying to do what? I don't know what you're trying to do with it. You're trying to build assets. So a lot of wealthy people do have these brands, Hermes, Chanel, Louis Vuitton. But I see a lot of broke people having these brands too. And the reason why, I'm going to tell you, I had a client, a female client, who told me she says she has all of these handbags. She says she got a closet full of these handbags. Now, I never seen her. She looked like, um, you know who she looked like to me? Him and her, her and her husband looked like the skip. What was the name? The skipper and lovey. You know the old couple from um, Gilligan's Island. <laughs> Let me see Gilligan's Island. What was their name? Lovey and not the skipper. Oh, Thurston Howell. <laughs> yeah, Thurston Howell. Thurston Howell the, the third. Let me see if I can pull them up. So this couple looks like this. The Thurston Howell on them. All right, and so the lady reminds me of, you know, a younger version. She's slightly younger, a younger version of Thurston Howell, you know, these guys right here, if you guys are old enough to remember. Like, that's something they remind me of, you know what I mean? And she was like, oh, I have all those handbags. And she's like, the reason why I have them is because I'm going to pass them down and, and my family, be, they'll be able to sell them or keep the value. Because Louis Vuitton monogram bags are pretty much the same bag for the last 60 or 80 years. And so if you keep it in good shape, you can resell it. It's actually worth something. So instead of holding on to cash, she has all these items. So wealthy people have these items, but they always think, I'm going to be able to resell this later. It's an asset. It's not something that I'm going to wear out to a hood barbecue and get stolen. Or it's not something that I'm going to wear somewhere where I only have $5 in it but the bag is worth $2,500. You see what I mean? So uh, let me show you an example of what's going on here. So luxury brands do serve a purpose. And I think I would buy a luxury brand to be able to later on be able to sell it. Here's an example. And I'm not picking on black women, but this is just an example for any person that has these items but really can't afford them. Right here, black women look good, but not worth $5. Net worth $5. But who's known to have these things? The men and the women who can't afford them. A lot of times people rap about them or they sing about them. Or you have the blingy roll. You can't really afford them, right? You don't have the net worth. Wearing $2,000 and you're only worth $5. A lot of people who wear these clothes True religion jeans, nice shirts. They got the nice nails done, $160 nail job, hair done, Brazilian blowout, implants. I know a lot of women that want implants and their booties done and all that stuff, and they don't have the money. So they're doing it on the cheap, and then they get frustrated, right? 
and it ends up messing them up. They got the nice wigs for 400 bucks. They got the clean, the nice sunglasses. But when you go to their net worth, they're broke. They're looking rich. And then vice versa, vice versa, the man that actually has a little bit of wealth or at least some investments, he wears shoes like this. <laughs> like make it make sense. It's, it's, it's backwards in our world. So it's not always the case, but it is more likely the case than not. More likely the case than not. Uh, let's go over a little bit of assets and then we'll do the rest of the super chats. What can you do with your money? Well, obviously, you could buy some bullion. Uh, gold has increased in price over the last couple of weeks. At one point, it was at 18 and 18, uh, 1820. Then it dropped down to 17 and such for an ounce. And now it's up to almost 1900. Or it is over 1900. Uh, and, it, and it's coming down. Silver is about $25 an ounce. You guys can own this bullion, this these metals you can buy them uh you can stock them if you do have the assets and you don't need the money this is where you can put some of your money and having these tangible goods instead of buying like i look at it and go if you don't have gold if you don't have silver but you have rolex or you have kanye west yeezys i'm going your priorities are up your priorities are messed up but if you do have stashes or investments and, and and you do have those items, I say your priorities are in line. Somebody says, where can you buy gold? Um, Of all the things that are up lately, I won't answer that question. I'll let you figure that out. Of all the things that you can buy right now in investment terms, not many of them have green. Most of them have red. <laughs> he says, don't do me like that. I'm new. Okay, okay, okay. All right. I won't do you like this. Hold up. I know, I know. I'm here to teach. I'm here to teach. I'm here to teach. I'm here to teach. Uh, there's this website. Mm. There's a website. Let me see here. I don't know. Am I sharing the screen? I don't know. Let me see. There's a website. There's a website. I'm just playing. People are like, what is the website? Hmm. <laughs> Let me see here. There's a website. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> I'll stop saying it here. Am I showing the screen? I don't know. There's this website where you can buy gold ounces. Maybe, maybe somebody will figure it out. No, maybe not. All right. Maybe this website that I'm showing you, you might be able to find some there. Okay. Anyway. All right. I'm sharing the screen. All right. So let me see here. Uh, let's see here going on here. The anatomy of a well-balanced investment portfolio. You guys should be using your compound interest to your advantage. I broke that down. Uh, compound interest is your friend, young men. <laughs> Somebody says, help him out. Okay, I'll help him out. Uh, JM Bullion is a place where you can buy right here. All right, so, but I don't, I'm not advertising them. You know what I mean? I'm trying to, I was trying to say it without saying it. 
the anatomy of a well-balanced portfolio. This is what you guys should be looking at. As much as you scroll for ass on Instagram, you should be looking at this. I'm going to have to pull up a compound interest chart. Excuse me for one second. Compound interest chart. I want the charts for young men by age. Oh, this is a beautiful thing right here. Oh, I did show this compound interest chart at one point. I want a better chart. <laughs> I want a better chart. There we go right here. Okay, okay, okay. This this is a decent chart right here. I'm going to save the image and then uh, his name is Jake and Blake. All right, let's see here. Wait a minute. Sorry. This was impromptu. I wasn't prepared for this. So compound interest as young men, this is where I'm trying to teach young men. And I'm glad there's young men in here learning. I know I took a swipe at one of you guys. Uh, <laughs> it is what it is. All right. I'm, I know it was just a little too obvious. I'm sorry. Somebody says JM baloney. <laughs> so uh, here's a chart for compound interest. So for you young man right here, the power of compound interest. And this is what is fantastic about being young, okay? This is why people are doing well in their mid-30s as opposed to men in their 50s. Like, there's a lot of guys in their 50s that are just buying their first house. If you grew up with a single mother, odds are, um, and you live in a big big, uh, big city, odds are you probably never have bought, bought a house, all right? Um, odds are you have never really had any investments until you're 40, whatnot. Silver is a better deal for younger men because it's literally like, uh, you know, 25 bucks an ounce, right? Um, but here's the power of compound interest. When you're 18, somewhere between 18 and 25, if you start investing now a very small amount, a very small amount, um, by the time you keep investing that same amount, if you're consistent, look how much different you get in terms of your return on that investment. And this is considering if there's a certain amount of return in the marketplace, right? So if you invest in the market and you get a 10, 12% return, that's what they're banking on. You're going to win some, you're going to lose some. Over time, by the time you hit your 60s, you'll have two, uh, $2 million, over $2 million. If you start investing into your 30s, like you have zero invested, right around your 30s, you start getting a little bit of money and you start investing, and you do the same amounts at the same time and invest in the same information, get the same rate of return, 10 to 12%, look at what happens. Look at how significant the difference is. 8 to 12% is, you know, the going rate of any stock investment, right? You're going to have bad times, down times, crashes, burns, but then you'll have good times, peak, all that stuff. And investment is a, a long-term process. It's not short-term. And we're not even going to touch, touch crypto right now. All right, crypto getting killed. Are they getting killed this morning? We'll check on that. Um, here's what happens. Look at the significant difference. Unfortunately, young men aren't trained or prepared to make this investment now. You're not educated. You're not taught. And the reason why you're not taught is because they don't want you to have the money. Why would they tell you how to get rich? Somebody says, don't look at crypto today. So I could go, woo. 
They don't teach you how to get rich because why? They want it. They want more for themselves. They teach you how to do what? Be consumers. This is a word that always going to teach you guys. This is a disrespectful word. It should be a word that disrespects you. Remember, like knuckle dragger, mouth breather, ham and egger. Consumers. I talked about this yesterday. What is the definition of consumer? All right. If you took the definition of consumer out of the 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 uh, the the purchasing idea of consumers, you're literally somebody who consumes more than you produce. There's producers and consumers. People who consume overwhelmingly probably are going to be broke, but they need you to consume. They don't need you to invest. They need you out here just buying and buying and buying and buying and buying, getting in debt, getting in debt, producing very less, consuming more. You need this. You need that. You need this. You need that. Right? It's a mindset where you're constantly needing these things to reinforce how important you are or to show and display how important you are. Wouldn't it be better? That at the end of this, that you can show how important you are by your portfolio. Yeah, zombie equals consumer. So if you're just a consumer and not a producer or not an investor, what does that make you? That makes you just susceptible to be buying things with no value just to show and impress people who don't really care or are going to hate on you. But you can do what you guys want. I, I'm not against consumerism. I'm not against that. I do say do it intelligently. And if you live in a neighborhood where you're probably going to get these items stole from you, like if you want a Porsche 911, I would probably say move to a better neighborhood first and then get the Porsche 911. One of the things that I have to tell you guys about the 911, when I drive it, I rarely park in regular parking. Or when I drive it, I know where I'm going before I drive it. Like, I know my route. I know where I'm going to go. Like, if I'm stopping at a doctor's appointment, I know I can valet there. If I'm going somewhere and I'm, like, just, just ripping and running around town, I won't drive it because I could end up somewhere. I Oh, I didn't mean to go to this Target. Damn. I didn't mean to go to this Target. Now I'm in this Target on this side of the mall where everybody's looking going, I'll never see Porsches in this parking lot. But now I'm the one parking next to people that are going to bang and put dents and scrape and key it, haters, gangbangers. So I'm conscious of that. My doctor does have valet. So I'm conscious of that. So when I drive it around, I know I need to valet park it. Right? And that's the cost of owning a car like that. You can't just park it in every regular parking lot. You can't just drive it around middle at night, end up in Santa Ana at Target. You're probably going to get jacked. So what do I do? I drive the truck when I do that. If I'm ripping and running and just ending up here and there and going willy-nilly, I'll drive the truck. So that's what that's what you have to think about. It's a hassle. It's a, it's a lot of thought process. Same thing is if you don't have a garage, don't buy a 911. If you got to park your car on the street and you have to jockey and position yourself for street parking, where you could end up two blocks away and around the corner having to park your car coming in at night, that's probably not the best way to own it. Because now you can't keep, it, it can't be protected and visible. It's not visible and protected. So you're going to have to have a garage first, nice neighborhood, be able to valet park, and then get the car. 
If you do it out of order, it's going to be a mess. It's going to be a mess for you. So anyway, uh, let's see here. Did I get everything? I think I did. Oh, investment portfolios. Last one. And I swear, I swear, I swear I get to the Super Chats and let you, you, you get your voice heard here. Um, investment portfolios. You guys should be looking at this more than you're looking at Instagram and ask building an investment portfolio and fine tune it, uh, your existing one. Um, they talk about your age, how much risk you want to take, the three asset class, which are stocks, equities, bonds, and cash. Do you guys own any of these things? All right. Um, you know, municipal bonds and all these things right here, municipal bonds, corporate bonds, government entity bonds, treasury notes, T notes, as they call them, uh, cash, having cash. Um, how much cash should you have? Should you have mattress money? Uh, the inflation is going to lower the value of that cash. These are things you should know. Warren Buffett's portfolio. He talks about what his portfolio leans heavy on. Um, then there's the Rick Ferry uh, portfolio where he weights his portfolio. You guys should be knowing this. Also, if you have a 401k or an IRA, you should be learning where you distribute these monies. What asset class you distribute the monies to. These are all things you should be looking at. And I'm going to tell you, wealthy people are not going to tell you any of this information. All right. If they got money, they ain't telling you none of this. All right. They need you knuckle dragging. But yeah, sometimes some things aren't the best investment today. Right. So this is the things that you have to know. It might be good at one point, but say you got in it today, you might be losing. But over time, over a 40 year period, it could be a W. And investment, that's how investment works. You basically are putting it there for long-term shelter. Uh, let's get to these super chats. Yeah, see, I lost them over here on this screen. Shout out to Joshua Frazier talking about the simping. Simps need to show validation basically wearing their net worth on their on their person. That's not actually a good idea. I don't think it's a good idea. It could be for an evening, but not always, unless you have security. Shout out to uh, Fitness Wherever. Don't listen to the ignorant ninjas. All right, Giovanni Martin, morning coach and morning coach gang. While on monk mode, it is necessary to turn. Is it necessary to turn down dates even when she calls you? Um, you gotta learn. You gotta determine that for yourself because she called you, but you're gonna end up paying too, right? You're paying anyway. So she called you, but eventually. Over the term of the, the association, you're going to end up paying some money. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? You know she's not going to pay. All right. You know she's going to say, hey, you know, let's hang out. And then your ass hang out. And then she said, well, I thought you were going to pay. Um, so you got to be careful. If you're not wanting to spend any money, just turn the date down, man. And spend the time. You guys got to know, man, these are traps. I was very conscious of those traps with women in dating. And I had to learn the hard way. I was like, damn, you actually reached out to me. And now you acting like you don't see the bill on the table. You know, unless she bringing food to you, forget it. All right. And, and she's got to know you got to draw hard lines in the sand. You're leaving at this time or tell them a time limit. I'm always good for that. Hey, we got two hours. We got two hours. That means she knows there's an end point, not this. I'll just wake up with you in the morning and spend all time and stay up till 1130. No, we got two hours, ma'am. Or else if she's not dealing with that, I don't think, you know, okay, bye. 
women are very sneaky at doing that. The actual King Smith says ninja is your code word uh, for certain community. Patriots is the code word for certain spoiled milk individuals. Patriots acting real patriotic today. All right, I love that. Ninjas and patriots, yes. I don't know why my skin looking like that. Yeah. Uh, Dark Vader says the most popular watch among the wealthy is a Seiko. I read this in The Millionaire Next Door. You'd be surprised at the amount of people that have really basic watches. I mean, I've, you know, been doing my research on them. And I'm like, a lot of people, like, if they're really, really wealthy, they'll have, they'll have all these other watches, right? But a lot of them, again, they'll go New Balance. They'll go New Balance with their watch. They got a Casio, a Seiko. I'm sitting there like, damn. You don't know the pressure it is to wear a nice watch. It's a lot of pressure to wear a nice watch. Because you got to know what, what surface you have them on. Banging it, scratching it. Um, to have a nice watch, they they stop, they become um not unwound, but you have to wind the watch. They stop working. Some of them are automatic. Some of them stop working. Like uh, some of these designer watches, you gotta, you don't wear it every day. You gotta go in and wind that bi up. <laughs> so somebody's what? What about an AP? I mean, some those watches are expensive. Those are, this is an expensive watch, bro. I'm just asking you, where would you wear that watch? (laughs) I want you to think about this. If you had a watch over $11,000, where would you wear that watch? Like, what would you be, like, tell me the setting. You would have to tell me. Where setting would you wear that watch? Do you have a yacht? Are you part of the yacht club? Are you going to, are you part of the board of directors at a, Or you're going to wear it to a backyard barbecue. You're going to wear it to go to the mall. You're going to wear it like you're going to wear it to go to the club in the club. Okay. So let me remind you to go to make Let me remind you. I believe there was a movie by uh, called American Gangster. I believe that this was the movie I heard the line in which I think Denzel Washington was playing Frank White, the drug dealer. I believe that this was the movie. And there's a scene in there where they're starting to make money and his runners are starting to make money. And one of the rules he told his runners were don't start spending money on stuff that's going to bring attention to you. Right? I think it was Frank Lucas. Yeah, he was represented. He said, don't start spending money because the money start flowing. And he was like, don't keep no weight in the cars you ride in, right? Never be with me. And like, so wherever you're doing, don't put the drugs in your cars or your nice cars. He's like, don't, whatever you do, don't do that. And then there was a scene where he got pulled over and he had the drugs in the car. Remember that? And he beat the dude up because he said, I told you. (laughs) Remember that? He said, I told you. Remember somebody showed up with a nice car. He was like, what you doing? He's like, what you doing? No, I told you, do not come around here flashy. Do not come around here. And Goodfellas had a scene like that. He said, don't buy anything. Don't buy anything. Don't buy anything. Don't buy anything. Just keep it on the low. Don't, 
don't draw attention to yourself. Now, people are obviously going to say, well, you got the 9-11. Yeah, I've been waiting for 10 years to have it. All right, so that's one thing. But once you do this excessively, people are going to start going, he cracked this skull. That was a literally do not do this, especially if you're doing something illegal. De Niro did it too in Goodfellas. People start watching you. I'm telling you, people watch me. People want to figure it out. What do you do? People are people are wondering. They're like, this what? <laughs> so be careful when you start doing this. Unless you're going to places. I tend to go to places where when I park that car, there's often car, there's cars that are worth more than my car. There's G-Wagons next to it. There's 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 Ferraris next to it. There's Lamborghinis next to it. So when I park my car there, my car looks like a Nissan Altima. <laughs> you know what I mean? I swear to God, if you know anything about Orange County or Newport, when I valet my car, it's next to a G-Wagon. It's next to something that's very, very nice. And I'm sitting like, damn, my car is an entry-level car. So that's what you have to do. He said, they'd be like, what do you do? Yeah, he says, I, I save men's lives. Yes, sir. That's what I do. All right, man, they 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 cutting. Do y'all hear that noise in the background? They bring they got the weed whacker right out here. Yeah, it's in Newport, yes. Uh he said the most popular watch is the the, the Seiko. Thanks for bringing that up. Yes. So when you buy a watch, understand why would you have the watch? Where would you wear it? It's nice to have it, yes. It's nice to wear it in good places, yes. But it's not an everyday watch. I don't think it's somebody can't hear the noise. Okay. Have it, but it's, I don't think it's an everyday watch. All right. Moron says work for Rolex as a repairman. Have the ID number run before purchasing black market, not just fakes, but also unregistered repairs and modifications. Shout out to you, Moron. Thanks for that advice there. Run the ID number. Where would you run the number though? Where would you run the number? I don't know where you run the number. Uh, Brown 310, big shout out to the coach gang. Let's get this money and keep educating yourself. Indeed, Dave G, you have to already have power and wealth to get reparations. Look at all the other groups that got theirs. Yeah, because people keep saying that. Well, the Jews got theirs and the Mech, you know, they all these people. But look, as long as you're letting people get away with stuff, you're not going to get no reparations. I, I think it's a wasted argument. I mean, you got to have the influence, the influence and power. The same people that get reparations don't be in here rioting, you know, and protesting and all that. I don't see them. I don't see them. I don't see them rioting to get their their check. Let me see here. Uh, Mr. Plinskin. Mr. Plinskin says Van Gundy Park, the Civic. <laughs> They're right outside my door with this damn weed walker. <laughs> Hold on for a second. I'm going to finish these super chats. This is crazy. Can y'all hear that? This is nuts. I'm going to have to go talk to Hector and Jorge. Hey, Hector, what the hell is going on here, bro? <laughs> All right. That was racist of me. Anyway, 
Uh, Mr. Plitzkin says Van Gundy packed the, parked his Civic on the tarmac and the co-pilot uh, taxied the plane to get close to it and flipped his car over on its roof. My friend's dad flew for the Knicks. Wow. His poor Civic. His poor Civic got that. He did, probably did that on purpose. Did he do that on purpose? <laughs> oh, man. Jeff Van Gundy gets no respect. All right, Mike D says, Coach, are you selective on the time of day you drive your Porsche? When I drive my sports cars, it's usually on the weekends to enjoy the open road and decrease the chances of encountering crazy people. Yes, I don't drive in traffic. I try to not drive on the freeway in traffic. I try to not go on the freeway too much unless I know I'm going somewhere where it's a point A to point B. If I'm going somewhere short and stopping off, I won't do it. Um, I don't drive in traffic. Um, (laughs) Shit. I don't... um, I, I try to drive when it's open roaded, yes. And then in the afternoons is good too, like 11 a.m., 12 a.m., 1 a.m. Once three o'clock comes around, then I switch out. Success over happiness. You said some profound, you said something profound a few blue chip videos ago that stuck with me. Hard work won't get you further than time management will. Yes, indeed. I'm gonna have to go outside and see them brothers. Jesus Christ. Do y'all hear that? That is unbelievable. Um, but yeah, man. Hey, look, time management is your success. That's where your success is. <laughs> what the hell? All right. I can't even concentrate. <laughs> they are out, they're like on my door with the weed whacker. What the hell, bro? <sighs> Sound like they right next to me. Oh, man. Hey, man, don't they stop. Don't they, the don't they edit. What is what's going on here? All right, shout out to my hermanos and my hermanos out here. Uh, but yeah, man, a hey, time management is your key. If you can't manage your time, you can't manage anything else. Time is your most important access. Uh, um, time is your most important asset. Here he come again. <laughs> I lost 100 viewers on that one. Uh, somebody says, oh, y'all can't hear it. All right, so GAH says, instead of buying the shoes, they buy the stocks of the companies that make the shoes. Yes. So I'm going to show y'all Nike stock. And people are, I actually tried to show my son this. Look at the Nike stock. Look at Nike stock right here. You guys know the Nike stock is cheaper than the shoes that you buy. Nike stock is actually cheaper. And so instead, they'd be like, nah, man, I'm going to wear these. It's cheaper for me to wear these than to buy Nikes. I'll buy the stock. Right here. It's on discount, and it's up today. I own Nike stock. I don't own a lot of it, but I own it. All right, and one of the reasons I own it was, like, before I buy Nikes, I'm going to own stock. Like, think about that. And those shoes that you're wearing, unfortunately, they're not worth anything. It only has an intrinsic value. And it has a value in terms of the street. Once the street stop wearing them, it ain't going to be worth nothing. And it will happen. Here we go. Over. I can come back to the screen here. He says, uh, ACDC says, dude's got tender gold, but no actual gold. And uh, yeah, man, like look at silver. Look at these things, man. They don't cost that much money. They don't cost that much money, but the value of having them over time will be 
Um, you can't even measure the value. I guess you can measure it, but you can't measure it. You want to have these things. You want to have investment portfolio. You want to have compound interest. But I think what we do is as men, we're educated wrong that we're supposed to constantly be on the chase. We're supposed to be on the chase, constantly on the chase of women, and we will fool off money. Uh, Domain Stickham says, hey, coach, I'm a young black civil engineer living in Anaheim. I have no debt, good credit, and around 40K in savings. Do you have any tips on investing in uh, real estate rentals? I live off half my salary. Real estate rentals, um, you're going to need a little more than 40K. You would have to you would have to invest outside of California um, because the way the rules apply on getting loans uh, for rentals. So you can't invest in California with that amount of money that you have saved. Um, you know, let's just say you wanted to buy a rental property, uh, a, a multi multifamily home, even in a modest area like like Los Alamitos, it's going to be a $1.5 million property, right? So you're going to have to do something like buy somewhere in Des Moines, Iowa. Because uh, you're going to need to put down 20% for investment properties. That's pretty much the standard if you're new to a real estate investment. If you're buying your own home, you could probably get an FHA loan at 3.5% down, right? And so the, that you have that much money. Uh, so you could buy your first single family home, potentially, but you'll have to put 20% down on a $400,000 house. You're looking at, uh, you're looking at, you need 80K. You need 80K. Uh, for a down payment on a on a investment property, if you're going to tell them it's an investment property, you need 80k. But if it's not, you're going to have to live in it in a year for a year, or not rent it out for a year. You could probably get an FHA loan. There's a whole bunch of things going on right now. Yeah, you can house hack. You can house hack. You can't use FHA for investments, but you can. You'll probably have to live in it for a period of time before you turn it over to an investment. If you get an FHA loan, you just got to really. Be careful there because even sometimes there'll be language in a contract. If you buy it as an, as a FH, as a primary residence, but you intend to use it as a rental and they know this, they may put language in your contract that says you can't ever use this as a rental, or you're going to have to jump through. You're going to have to put these modifications in the property to make it a rental, which will add up to whatever it was that you saved by getting an FHA. So be careful. You got to really be careful. You can't just buy something and make it a rental property unless you go in and and disclose it as a rental property. Somebody says just refi. That's going to take time, right? You got So that time he's taking to refi it, then eventually you're losing time and earning income back. So you're paying the mortgage anyway. So a lot of people don't know that. They can refi. They can't refi immediately, but they think they're going to be getting rich uh, rental income immediately when they can't. They have to wait. You got to wait a year. You got to wait a time to refi. So you're losing rent, rental income. Oh, it's 10 or 14 days. It's just, you got to be careful. You got to do your due diligence. It's not just a straight up thing. I've seen people get screwed on that. They thought they could just immediately turn it into a rental and they couldn't. They couldn't and they bought it. Uh, Beaver says it's not always straightforward either. It is not always straightforward. So it's not, and, and some people are saying, just do this, just do that. You gotta do, when you go into this process, you gotta look at all of the details because every situation is going to be completely different. 
right, um, let me see here. Beaver says, let me get some shuffling, coach. Sorry for the dumb question about the gold. I didn't know what websites to trust. Oh, yeah, you know, it's all good. I, I was just messing with you. All right, shout out to you. Let's shuffle. I can do some shuffling, too. Look out, man. What you going to do? Look out, boys. It's coming through. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Shout out to you. Somebody said hard money lenders. Yeah, hard money lenders is a way to go, but sometimes... Them hard money lenders will, you'll have to pay up a portion of the loan quick. You got to really do your due diligence, man. A lot of people get into real estate and they get screwed over. And it's really hard to get screwed over on real estate because you're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's not like getting screwed over on a car. So some people go in and then they go, they get screwed and you're talking about a hundred thousands of dollars. Hard money lenders, sometimes it's a short period of that loan term. It's a shorter loan term, could be. And the interest rate is high. So you're not going to get 3.5% interest rate. Hard money lenders going to be a higher interest. It's really, 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 you really got to do details. Really do the details. All right, somebody says, I got a land and property. Here we go. Uh, Nate Bitt says, as a jeweler, I can attest, bling value comes from three things, appraisal, insurance, and theft loss. Only way to recoup value in jewelry. Oh, so if I bling it up and it gets lost or I buy insurance, I can recoup the value. I get it. I get it. So that's the only way. That is the only way. Other than that, it's going to lose value. Interesting. Thank you for sharing that as a jeweler. You got to be careful with jewelers, man. They are sneaky. Not you, Nate Bit, but they are sneaky. All right, the guys left the show here. Derek Gerard says, thank you, coach. A whole lot of gems, as always. He says, shout out to the coach gang. Let's get it. And find your own path of getting it, man. Not everything works for you. Because people are talking about REITs. I like the idea of REITs because I don't like day-to-day. I like passive income. I love passive income. If I got to work for the income and I think it's passive, then I think it's a trap. So I said insurance fraud. So REITs are great options, but you're not going to get the returns you would get by flipping or owning uh, properties. And long term, you might not get the same rate of return. But if you don't want to be mowing lawns and painting walls and doing rehab and hiring contractors, REITs are great. If you don't mind hiring contractors and selling properties and flipping them and painting walls and doing rehab, and talking to Hector about landscaping, <laughs> you know what I mean? Re- rental income and real estate game, you got to be hands-on. You got to be in it. You got to get your hands dirty. You got to negotiate. It'll keep you up. Sleepless night, you got to rent out to uh, shady-ass uh, renters. Landlord, collecting rent, paying the utility, suing your neighbor. Suing your, evicting your tenants. Oh. Yeah, I'll go with REITs. <laughs> oh, shit. Evicting your tenants. Your mild housing market collapses. Ugh. You got to be in it, though. So if you're considering real estate, and I'm not an expert. He says you want to be a slumlord. Essentially, how you going to make money is being a slumlord, unfortunately. You'll make a bunch of money just being a slumlord uh, by not caring. 
I don't care what you love. You going you want to live there? Pay up. But what I'm gonna say is, if you want to get money in real estate, you gonna have to get dirty. It's gonna be a 24 seven job. You ain't just gonna buy property, let the people live in it, flip it in a in a big market, and just sit back with your feet up. It ain't going to be that. Your ass is going to be, that's the second full-time job, but you can make some money and you can lose your ass too. So be careful. Somebody says sex for rent. Oh, oh no. You're going to get screwed over. Yep. Rattlesnakes all in your beehives, raccoons. Oh, and see, for me, it's not worth it. But for a lot of guys, it's super duper worth it, right? They're like, look, I flipped this property and it made X, Y, and Z. Yeah, don't sectionate your house. Don't rent voucher. Don't if they do that to your neighborhood. Oh, I'm just telling you. I I love real estate. I love the idea of it. I love going to see homes. I love I love it. But man, I'm gonna tell you, if you want to make money in it, you got to be dirt and deal with people uh, negotiating you, outbidding you, showing up to auctions, preparing paperwork. Looking through paperwork, you got to have a lawyer look through all of your deals. Ugh. And your neighbors are hate you because you're going to buy area. You're going to buy in. This is a, this is a secret. You're going to buy property in a neighborhood that is a middle class neighborhood. And they want to protect their neighborhood. These people have pride in ownership. They want their property values to go up. So they're going to go up incrementally. So these middle-class people work very hard to afford houses in these these areas. Now, what you're going to do is you're going to come in and buy those houses in their area and rent to people who don't have pride in ownership, who are going to come in and out, who are probably not going to be as caring for their community as they would as if they owned it. And so those people are going to hate your guts. They're going to hate your guts. They're going to be like, oh, this person buying them up and renting all through my damn neighborhood. (laughs) You know, it is what it is. So, you know, who cares about them hating you? But you will get hate. You will get hate. And and the people who move into that neighborhood, oh, they're renters. They'll call you. They'll classify your ass. Oh, they're renters. Because they own in that neighborhood and you're rent. And they'll tell them, oh, they're renters over there. (laughs) <laughs> I see it all the time. All right, so anyway, get your hands dirty if you want to get in that game. Uh, King Chris says, appreciate you, coach. I always look forward to the blue chip mindset Wednesdays. How do you deal with looking down on average mediocre hater people when you're successful on the way up? Um, That's a problem. Yeah, you're gonna. it's going to be problematic. Everybody's calling my phone. We're about to get off. Um. It's a problematic because then what happens is you get an appreciation for how hard it is you worked, and then you see people not working and complaining, and then you turn into Dave Chappelle. So never feel feel like you're gonna uh, think the same way you did when you were broke, right? You're gonna change your mindset because then you have things invested, you have skin in the game, right? You start becoming an investor, you start buying real estate. You start buying good things. You don't want to get torn up and broken. And then people are going to tell you as you're on your way up, you need to give them money. Then you're going to think different about it. You're going to be like, wait, wait a minute. You're going to see people panhandle and you were like, I didn't panhandle when I was broke. (laughs) People are going to hate on you as if you were always rich or you just got lucky and you this and you stole that and you did. 
and you and you're going wow so it's lonely at the top it's lonely at the top as you climb you think you're going to get a bigger posse and more loyal people you're going to get more haters and more so it gets lonelier if you want to get so if you ever want to be successful just understand your shrink your circle's going to shrink and more people are going to hate you they're going to be targeted by people people are going to sue you you're going to turn into a republican all you ninja, all you not ninjas all you people that are staunch democrats get some money in your bank account you'll turn into a republican like who said that herb fed 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 lion herb fed lion you'll turn into a republican cuz you'll understand that that particular side tends to benefit you more than this side. This side is about being a victim and taking from you. Hey, we need to take from these people. And then you'll come become those people. And you'll go, wait a minute. Wait, why are you taking from me? Why are you taxing me? Well, we need to help these people. And, and 10 years prior, you wanted to help those people. But now you figure out they're taking from you to help those people. And you'd be like, <laughs> and you were like, no, man. All right, shout out to King Chris. So that's what happens. Uh, this, your circle gets smaller. It's lonely at the top. Um, you don't have to, you, you look at people as like, why can't you do this? Because you're just a regular person. You're like, why can't you do this? Why can't you do this? I did it. But then you realize that most people are knuckle draggers. Most people are consumers. A consumer, a parasite is a consumer. It's, it doesn't produce. And so then you realize that some people are very parasitic. Not all. Not all people that are broke are parasitic, but most people are. And then you go, damn, no wonder why you complain. Leo K says, the used car market for luxurious cars is so bad, you can sell your Porsche for a fat profit if you wanted to. Yep, and I, I explained that earlier uh, for people who don't know. And they're like, that basic car? Yes. And I showed you the price. I know a guy who sold his and he actually had to go buy two used ones because he couldn't even afford to buy a new one. But the market was so hot, he had to sell it. He was like, I couldn't turn down the deal. This is my parcel right here, listed right here. And I bought it for way under that. Look at the marketplace, up 12.3%. Uh, Look at the marketplace overall for 25, 15 and below, up 17%, up 22% year to date, up 23%, up 18%, 18%, 14%, 12%, 22%. 22%. Market hot. And I knew that going in. I was like, if I'm going to get a car, it's going to be that. I could have got a Hellcat. I bet you if I pulled up the Hellcat list, it don't look like that. <laughs> I can literally sell my, I'm going to tell you this. I, and I'm trying not to give up too, too much information. I can sell that car and pay for my kid's college. All right. I could sell that car and pay for my kids' college all four years and maybe have to chime in a couple of more dollars. Like, that's how I think. I think after about three years, I could just go, I'll sell it, pay for my kids' college, and just be sitting back. I won't have to worry about it. That's what the market looks like now. All right. Now, I don't know if it'll go up in value. It might go down in value, but I could still almost break even and still pay for my kids' college. That's how I think, man. That's how I think about it. I'm like, man, you know, because I've, I've driven it for like six or eight months. I'm like, well, 
I don't see myself driving it after three years. If I do, I would trade it in for a newer model or I could sell it, pay for my kid's college. That's probably what I would do. Mira already, already did a video on the Tinder swindler. Amari says, coach, pull up timepiece trading on the tab real quick. I know uh, what he's talking about, about AP and Richard Miles, the six-figure watches that are playing. Yeah, um, those watches are, to me, I don't know. I don't like the, where could I wear that watch? Like, where would you wear that watch? I mean, you if you're not in the right circle, I would not buy that watch. You know, the Audemars, Audemars, Audemars and the uh, Richard, My, Richard uh, is it Richard Mile? Richard Miles. That watch, bro, this is the watch here. The Richard Miles watch. I think it's a $300,000 watch, if not more. This watch right here is a Richard Miles. This watch, man. It's a nice looking watch. Where would you wear that? I mean, I'm, I mean, if you, like, I think you would have to have a net worth. Like, you would have to have a yacht. You know what I mean? Like, you'd have to have a boat. Because if you don't have a boat, <laughs> I'm a little bit like, why would I get that and I don't have a, you know what I mean? I would have to have significant, I would have to be worth I would have to be worth $15 million. It's Richard Mile, yeah, or Mill, 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 Richard Mill. It's a, it's one of those things where you look at it and you go, ooh, like why? I can see it's a different type of watch. But I would have to be worth $15 million to buy that watch. Or I would rent it. I would rent it. Yeah, that's what I would do. And the and the and the AP AP is a nice watch too. It's one of those watches that can run you between, you know, two hundred three hundred thousand dollars. I don't know if I could. I'm definitely out of that price range. This one's thirteen thousand, but it's a used. What would it be a new one? As you can see, I've already been on the tab. I've already checked it out. They don't put their price. Hey, any website that don't put their price on the website, you can't afford it. Any price, any, oh, they do have their price. What is this one? This is 24K. All right, this is only 24K. I've seen them higher than this. I've seen them way higher than this. 100,000, 200,000, Like, that would be, I don't know. If that damn band pulls one of my arm hairs, <laughs> I'm taking it back. That band better not pull not one arm hair. All right, so anyway, man, shout out to you, brothers. Uh, Timepiece trading. Time, watches are fantastic if you can afford them, right? If you can afford them or you can know the value of the watches. Call me for the price. Yep, you. Out of, I can't afford it. Anywhere I go and I got a call for the price, wrong, I'm in the wrong place. Hey, there was a woman on Seeking one time that had that. She was like, if you have to ask, you can't afford me. I was like, Damn. <laughs> She put that on her, I think that was her, like her tagline. If you have to ask, you can't afford me. Same thing as anything, anywhere you go. If you go somewhere and you got to ask how much it is, you're in the wrong spot. 
Uh, das Token says Jeff Bezos drove a 96 Honda at $10 billion net worth. You know, it's about the sacrifice, man. Not a lot of people can make that sacrifice. That is, it's a testimony to what, who he is. However, the normal, and I'm including myself in this, not a lot of us can make that sacrifice. Right? And this is, and we get, as a result, we get exactly what we get from it. I would get a fake Rolex before, I, I would pay, but I would pay fake prices Check this video out, by the way, and I got a couple more Super Chats. One of the best videos is the scale Jeff Bezos' net worth in rice. I wonder if I can play this. I might have to cut it out. If you want to know how rich Jeff Bezos is, check this out. So this man scaled Jeff Bezos, so we're talking about him. That rice, that one grain of rice is worth And so then he, what he did was he took that rice and he said, these grains of rice, I think these 10 grains of rice are worth $1 million. And though, so then he would say, how much is a billion worth? And then he, he, he counted it out. What a guy. He counted out what a billion in rice would represent. Come on, man, get to it. All right, there it is right there. Uh, that would be a million dollars, and that would be a billion dollars in rice. And then he put, okay, Jeff Bezos' was worth $130 million, $300 million, right, whatever. So that's crazy. That's the discrepancy between what a million dollars, what $100,000 or a million, and that's $5 million, and that's a billion. And so now he's got to scale $100 million or so, I think he was probably worth 130 million. He had to go to Costco and get the bags of rice. <laughs> um, so he brought the bags of rice, and then that is what 122 billion represents. So think of how much different things are. So if you have to drive a 96 Civic around or a Accord to get to your big thing right here, that's how much his. So this is crazy. This is how much Jeff Bezos' house was worth to him. So Jeff Bezos bought a $145 million house, and that's what it was worth to him compared to the $122 billion he had. Think of that. That is insane in the membrane. His name is Humphrey Yang. All right, I love that video. Think about that. That is nuts. So that $144 million was chump change. So again, if I'm thinking about it, getting the AP, if I'm getting about getting a Richard Mill, if I'm thinking about getting a Rolex, what I'm probably thinking is it should represent, it should represent that much to my net worth. That's what I'm thinking. If I'm going to get a Lamborghini, it should mean that much to my net worth. Uh, let's see here. Simon Small, thank you for the education throughout all the blue chip mindset. Stream, shout out to the coach gang, and you can find all of them in the link in the description box below. Dave G, that ain't no damn Hector, don't lie. That's your uh, Wednesday night Gordita getting her shave on and cutting her toenails. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Boy, it's been a while since I had me a Gordita, by the way. It's been a while. I've been working on flatbacks. IDDS says, Coach, this 304 got a early termination of pregnancy debt. I never even heard of that. 
I thought they were free. <laughs> they were free. Oh, my goodness. Domain Stickham, can you do a blue chips show on real estate? I'm going to have to bring in an expert. But see, the thing is about experts, there's different. There's so many paths of real estate. It's just not straight up. Like you got a Grant Cardone mindset and then you have a mindset of a um, uh, Graham Stephan or uh, Meet Kevin versus Grant Cardone. Two different strategies. Uh, then you have a, what's the guy's name? Uh, the, 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 the guy, the no debt guy that I always use his videos, Dave Ramsey. So even if I brought real estate people in here, There'll be two different diametrically opposed opinions to them in which by the time you get out of the seminar, you would be like, okay, what do I do? Because you still don't know. You have people that'll say buy, um, buy, resell, flip, and all that stuff. Then you'll have people that'll say invest, hunker down, put 20% down. Then you have people say pay all cash. It's crazy. Uh, so the thing is, I might have to bring in uh uh, experts, but even then, there's going to be different opinions. Yeah, somebody says Robert Kiyosaki and Grant Cardone got in a battle of egos. Yeah, it's yeah Dave Ramsey mindset. It's all different. I I actually have a. It's kind of this is what I'm going to tell you. With real estate, whatever you do, you gotta you gotta. It's kind of like you gotta live by the sword, die by the sword. You gotta live by the sword, die by the sword. You can't mix philosophies. Like when I coached, I like to press and I never really like to use zones unless I had to. And um, I had a certain offense that I like to run. Now, people would watch my team and some games we would win and some games we would lose on that philosophy. But if I changed it in the middle of the game, oh, we're losing. Forget about my philosophy. I'm going to go in on this for the moment. And my kids aren't prepared for it. You're going to ruin your philosophy. You're going to ruin your continuity. You're going to ruin everything. So whatever philosophy you go by, you got to go live by it, die by it. That's that's life. Yeah, I ran the triangle offense. So I did run the triangle offense. So you got to live by the sword, die by the sword. Because if you try to switch it up mid-time, I mean, I know you you don't have to go 100% in, but you got to go like 90% in. And Grant Cardone goes balls out on, on uh, rent where you want to live, own where you want to get rent. You can adjust. You can you can adjust. You can have an adjustment, but you can't be like I'm going to go fifty percent my philosophy, fifty percent whatever's going good now, because long term that's not going to work. Like if I said I'm going to go fifty percent Grant Cardone. 50% Dave Ramsey, and I'm going to go Dave Ramsey when it's Dave Ramsey time, and I'm going to go Grant Cardone when it's Grant Cardone time. You're going to, you can't do it. <laughs> you're going to go broke. You're going to go broke. You're not going to win. You're going to gonna break even at worst. You got to go bam, 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 work your method. Uh, they, they used to have a quote saying, work your system, and the system will work. Work your program. Work your program. Work your program. Over 20 years, it'll work. Uh, over, it, but, but at times, it won't work. But work your program. Work your method. Get a strategy. Work it. Scared money don't make money. Confuse, confused money will have you broke. 
you're end up going to go follow a trend. You're going to go, okay, I have this philosophy. Oh, look, shiny object. You're going to follow that trend. And then the trend's going to bust. And then you're going to come back and want to do the consistent method. Nah. Nah, 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 nah. Plan your work, work your plan. It's, it, you can't be, you can't be, uh, pussyfooting around. You can't be pussyfooting around when the when the wind blows this way. Oh, the wind blowing this way, Dave Ramsey. Oh, the wind blowing this way, Grant Cardone. No. Um. Anyway, Acido Rusco says these blue chip mindset podcasts are too valuable, fellas. Uh, because uh, become your own central bank, measure your value in gold and silver ounces in kilos, real estate in hectares. He says units, et cetera, not fiat paper. That's a good point, too. Fiat paper definitely will get you messed up, right? Because the, the because the value keeps decreasing over time. So um, what you bought something at value-wise or whatever you have in your bank account, tomorrow is worth less every day. I'm the guy that says just stick to your plan. If you're going to go balls out, go balls out. I think over a long period of time, your plan's going to work. Over a short period of time, you're going to hit some bumps. But, yeah, yeah. I don't listen to Pharaoh's. That is Ramsey. Oh, okay, yeah. Folks, just follow. Okay. <laughs> um, let me go here. Uh, a swing out museum. The difference between Republican and Democrats is that the Republicans have greater net worth. <laughs> well, the people who vote Republican have a better, greater network. The Democrats have great network. They just don't pass it down to their people. The Democrat leaders and the politicians have big network. But they're socialist-minded. They keep it, and then they 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 don't trickle it down to everybody else. And then they, they make you out to be the victim. You should have some, too. Right? So Nancy Pelosi out here just killing it on the market. And then she's telling you you're broke. Nancy Pelosi got the investor of the year, and she got you out there throwing bricks. All right? She got you out there stomping on vehicles and protesting at restaurants. And she the, she the, she the investor trader of the year. You know what I mean? <clears throat> like, make that make sense. It says, thanks to her investment prowess, the Speaker of the House wealth grew by an estimated $16.7 million. But you throwing bricks. So, you know what I mean? You out here protesting. You you asking for a reparation check. And she grew her estimated net worth in 2020 alone by 16.7 million. You make sense of that. That's a church pastor stuff. Make sense of that. <laughs> you know what I mean? That don't make sense. That literally is a basically look over there and then she picking your pockets. All right. Um, shout out to you, brothers, man. <laughs> Shout out to you, brothers, man. Bitcoin is up 39%. I'm winning. What? Or 3.9%. Bitcoin is not up that high today. Last thing I'm going to do, I'm going to check out going CoinGecko and see what up. Bitcoin is not up 39%. Or it's up from when you bought it. Uh, it's up from when you bought it. Right now, quit, if you're getting in the game now, you know, because a lot of people are getting in the game, it's recognizable, it's trendy. You got to know what you're doing. This is another situation. You got to know what you're doing. And you got to be willing to take a loss. 
Gotta be willing to take L's in this market. If you're an investor, be willing to take L's and you can't be, you can't be depressed taking L's. Where's a one-year year to date? So like where Bitcoin is now, less than a year ago, it was at the same point. So no big deal, right? That's basically the doing this. It's very, it's an aggressive. See, this is one of the most aggressive things you can invest in to this day. So as you guys know, uh, big risk, big reward. But you also know as an investor, you got to understand uh, um, what you're investing in is if it's an aggressive thing, like you can win and lose overnight. Got to be careful. Got to be careful as an investor. Anyway, brothers, I got to get out of here. Uh, hold on, a couple more here. Profitable Hat says, love the blue chip shows. I'll have to catch the replay. I was in the gym watching Kaylee and Josie and Maddie doing split squats. Give me the buzzer. Mm. He was over there shaking. You was over there. <laughs> Kaylee had have you shaking with them. They got their back out and all of that long backed it. And they be trying to look innocent doing what they doing, squatting. Dot Token says natural gas stocks. I've been studying for a decade. And he gives you some um some codes there to look at. GAH God says rich guys buy expensive washers, watches as placeholders. It's hard taking a mill out of the bank, but this richer mill is worth a mill in my safety deposit box. That is another thing. I didn't talk about that. Maybe we'll talk about that later. And yes, they do put those things in safety deposit box and all that stuff. And they use them because you can't hold on to money. Like there's only so much money you can put into a bank, right? And so there's only so much money that's going to be federally protected. But if I buy this, I can sell it. I can keep it as money. I can, yeah, absolutely. Omni Roma, one day trade coach. Keep your losses small and your gains consistent. So you're saying make only one day trade and stop doing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep them small, keep them consistent. Over time is where you win. Shout out to the brothers, man. Thank you for contributing your advice on this one. I'm not an expert. I just have a philosophy. Appreciate y'all for being here. We'll take you out with, who is this? 